Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do it. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon after another weekend of outstanding rugby in the... We had an email that mentioned Avicii Premiership. Do you remember those days? I missed oh. I missed. We used to have the music for the Avicii Premiership and everything, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I guess we could use Oasis because it's the Gallagher Premiership, <laughs> couldn't yeah. we? But it's just Gallagher. not the same energy. Yeah, and... Uh, a bit of tragedy with Avicii as well. I think we retired that whole oh, we thing. Did. Oh, we did after the after sad the... death of Avicii. Yes. Uh, if, if you're not a long-time listener and don't know what the hell I'm talking about, uh, it used to be the Aviva Premiership and we called it Avicii. Because well, Phil's wife got it wrong. Because Phil's yeah. wife got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Although, if you were going to have an Oasis tune for the Premiership, which one would it be? It... Ooh. I reckon. Um, I I think I know the one. Supersonic at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say supersonic. Supersonic. Yeah. Well, if it's going to be in the same sort of vibe as Avicii, which I know there's not much crossover, it'd have to be effing in the bushes. Okay. Yeah. It's a good song. That is a cracking song. Yeah. That, that would be my walkout song. Should I do UFC? Which I probably will do in the next couple of years. <laughs> probably get in the big you're, leagues. You're just peaking your yeah, yeah, exactly. athletic performances on an upward trend. Imagine going now. Now it's time to talk about the Gallagher <laughs> Premiership. <laughs> It's just not. That works. Uh, not yeah, that's, that's good. It depends on the visuals, doesn't it? Because do you remember well, when... people are just imagining us in Parker jackets now, swaggering around. Because <laughs> and I, our kid, a lot of the um, Super Bowl walkout music is a little bit esoteric. So they've had like Wolf Mother. They've, they've had all sorts of, and it all depends on the visuals and where the team is from. Super Bowl walkout music. Super Bowl. Do they have, do they, the do they have different music from the, for, than the teams normally have then? Yeah, so they have like a little ah. intro video. So if you look at the Green Bay Wolf Mother... Um, is, that, um, is that Thief in the Night? Or Woman. Or Woman? Wom- I doubt it'd be Woman for, for that. I bet it's I think Thief it is, in the Night. I think it is, yeah. But like, that isn't what you'd necessarily think of for NFL, but it worked. I'm just trying to find Thief in the Night by Wolf Mother now. Yeah, it's just another thing. But they, they, yeah, they do want every single year for every team about their journey and how they got there, and then they all run out onto the field. I think I might have the wrong band because I can't find "Thief in the Night" by Wolf Mother, so I must have the wrong song. Hmm. Anyway, well, I guess it's your profession, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, Bowie. What another Joker and the Thief. Ah, Joker, there you go. There you go. This one. 
That, uh, that's yeah. the one. Very yeah. good tune. That's good. That's got, it's got a slight, um, ever such slight echoes of the song that Chicago Bulls went out to. Yes, yes. it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that gets me excited. That makes me want to tackle something now. <laughs> the, the other thing which always makes me want to tackle, tackle something. Tackle something high with no arms. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that makes me want to tackle things is just the smell of Red Bull. The smell of Red Bull makes me go wild. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> when, I, when I went to watch um, some rugby down in Devon a few weeks ago, Thomas ran into the changing rooms and I was just hit by this waft of deep heat and Red Bull <laughs> as I walked through the changing rooms. Like, right, I'm ready. Yeah. Did, I can did, play. Does, does the Kill Bill music wash over yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same. I, I gave uh, Louis, my lad, and three of his mates a lift home after practice on Wednesday night and they all had that wet, damp mud smell mm, and it yeah. is such a beautiful aroma. Delicious. There is something about that. B.O. and damp, yeah, damp te- mud. Teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even said hello. Um, I'm Tim, that's Phil. Hello, Tim. Uh, that's JB. Hello, Tim. And uh, we're here, we, we've got a lot to get through uh, tonight. We've had some brilliant correspondence as well. Um, a bunch on email, which we'll get through. God, the emails have been busy after this week's results. It's really fired people up. They've been great. Uh, do you know what? It is indicative of how good the Premiership is. People really care. When you get invested in this competition, that's when you realise how good it is. Yeah. Contacteggchasers at gmail.com is where you can find us there. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Thank you and welcome to our new patrons. And we hope you enjoyed the um, the couple of extra podcasts. Yeah. Which we furnished you with. Seems to mm. be people are really enjoying them. Yeah. Um... The, the the concept of which is, well, we don't know what we're going to do before we do them. Yeah, we're giving you something extra without taking anything else away from anyone else. Hundred percent. So thank you very much. Um, uh, just by listening, you're helping make the podcast possible. Especially if you hit subscribe. Especially if you tell your mates. And um, and, and let's crack on with it. So we've got some matters on the pitch. We've got some matters off the pitch. The matters on the pitch far outweigh the the quality, and we will reflect that in the time we spend. Yes. On it. And in the passion that we have for it, I hope. Um, but there are some other stuff going on. Any news that we need to sort of talk about? Mm. I, I thought Eddie Jones was going to announce his England squad last week, but it turns out it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, is yeah. it tomorrow? Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting. Do you know? See, it's my first whinge of the afternoon, evening, weekend. Um, <laughs> England. Every everything about rug, and I do get it. I, it's not a, I'm not blaming anyone per se. Obviously, the comms team's giving the fans viewing public what they want because still the english you know england as a team are far bigger than the premiership but you're watching this phenomenal game unfold in front of you and everyone's like oh you know that's good enough for england or eddie jones will be watching that or it's so england centric and it should be bath centric and sale centric and saracen centric but it seems to be all about england even though you're watching the club game unfold in front of you i i I know what you mean but it's almost like the obvious leap isn't it because you play if you're an England player playing in England or EQP playing in England. The next obvious step is international, and it's just like it's a it's a standard that everyone kind of recognises that you can almost measure, not explicitly measure, but you can understand. Yeah, people, I mean, the levels of performance, and, and it's the job of broadcasters or um, print journalists or whatever to. Uh, I've say I've said it so many times it will bore you to tears, but ultimately, sport and broadcasting or um, reporting a sport is storytelling and that is the mm. story that yeah. is the story and you know, I do not enjoy international rugby nearly as much as I enjoy club club rugby but I think the point 
is, I guess, that is the standard that they all aspire to. Even though the product isn't as good, that's a standard that they aspire to. <laughs> the pro- so. product not being as good is a subjective thing. Oh, it's not. It's How like, can it's it like, be? It's like the, the premiership, in terms of that story, is the audition stage of X Factor. Getting through to the England squad is boot camp. Do you know and, that's... Uh, <laughs> and getting into the, the, the side for an autumn international game is like uh, getting on the live shows. And I don't think anyone likes the live shows as much as they like the auditions. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> You make a very good point. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought this weekend's rugby has been absolutely awesome. Well, if you look at the games, there were four very close games that were, were hard to predict, and that, yes. that is reflected in the predictions. There were two games in particular that were incredibly easy to predict, and the scorelines reflected just how easy they were to predict. Just, just on predictions, can I say, if I, and I, I think JB and I had exactly the same predictions, um, I can't remember actually, but I definitely, if it wasn't for London Irish drawing, drawing if they snuck a, one, a win, I would have been sick. If anyone listened to me, it would have been six from six, so thank God I yeah. can't bet and didn't bet, because I'd have been absolutely fuming <laughs> at Irish. Uh, Irish, again. Yeah. They did it the other week. Two draws. Yeah. Two draws. And the draw against Sale was extra bad because they missed the last second kick. So I don't know how this one unfolded, but it wasn't but the last second kick. It, it, it was a close to last second kick, wasn't it? Oh, what? They, they didn't again, did they? They missed. Because I've, I've only seen that there was a brief bit of highlights right at the end. Oh, uh, so it wasn't last second, but Paddy Jackson missed a, the conversion from the last. Oh, yes, it did. The on, last, on 71 minutes. Yeah, the last scoring event was the Matt Rogerson try with about 10 minutes to go, which Paddy Jackson missed the kick from the touchline, and that was it, no more scores. And they're ahead for the whole game, pretty much. And I tell you what, there's another thing about that game which is worth noting. At the start of the season, I was a little bit worried that Gloucester's new fly-half, whose name escapes me, Hastings. Hastings. Probably wasn't the man. For them, he didn't start, and I thought this. Well, it's more that you were talking about how small he looked; it looked like he'd been ill. Yeah. Who Hastings? <laughs> Did I say that one? No, if, um, we, we were. You, you were talking. I think Phil might mention he's like his arms. His arms. The, the shirt looked really baggy on his arms. <laughs> yeah, but actually, fair that, play to him. That's always Jermaine a bad look. in his prime. He yeah, <laughs> no, he, he's looked great. Yeah, his kicking keeps Gloucester in games yeah. just constantly. He's so reliable. I think he's a cracking signing, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll yeah. take it all back. Yeah. And the person who's he's replaced, albeit not quite a direct replacement, Danny Cipriani, not a good not looking not like so a much. great signing at the moment. Yeah, and as we feared, and we will definitely get onto this one, as we feared, it, it also doesn't look like the sort of signing which is going to bring a squad together <laughs> at a time when they really need it. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. For, before we get into that, something I forgot last week, the rugby paper last week, um, the the room one hundred and one was done by. Andrew Kitchener, which I thought you'd appreciate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Family. Very good family. Great family. Great family. <laughs> Great family. Um, Is there anything particular you wanted to put in the... Rugby podcasts. Uh, no, no, I just, I just thought, because his, his examples, I just thought, oh, he really is, as Alan Solomon said that time, he really is from a great family, you can just tell. So, uh, Andrew yeah, Kitchener... Did you notice... Um, all three of the Leicester back row simultaneously did not care that he was from a uh, a good family. When they all all three hit him, when he had a standing start, <laughs> brutal. Uh, his three in room one hundred and one were uh, reality TV. He says a bit of a controversial one, as I know these types of shows are popular, but I tend to find them boring and pointless. The people on there are just there to boost their own profile and make a name for themselves without actually doing anything worthwhile. I think these programmes also project a false sense of reality, which is an issue for younger viewers in particular. He's always thinking about other people, isn't Good he? Family. Great family. Yeah. Great family. And then his second one was the inconsistency of fruit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. Okay. He explains, well, um, <laughs> my mo- uh, my my frustration with most fruits is on on the de- on their day they can be delicious, but too often fail to meet these high standards. It, it, Perhaps with the exception of bananas, which I find to be t- tend to be a lot more dependable. He's this puts p- me and no doubt others off eating as much fruit as I could and should. Well, I mean, again, he's great family. Prim- primarily thinking about the kids there, yeah, <laughs> and the five a day. But he's got a point here on nectarines. Nectarines are often inconsistent. Oh, I tell you, the most inconsistent fruit, pear. Oh yeah, pear, oh, pears yeah. are. They they have this window, this like two hour window. It should be an app for they're, them. They're rock hard in between rock hard and mush, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. then they just fall apart. Pop. If you yeah. get them in that window though, they're incredible. I, I can't bear nectarines where. A bit of the fruit sticks to the stone. I can't bear it. <laughs> yeah, you want it just to fall I away. I feel like I've wasted money. Uh, I did like that on the, the first line then seemed like a pretty good analogy for Worcester on the fruit. Should you read that first line again? My frustration with Worcester, Worcester. <laughs> not most fruits, is that on their day they can be delicious, but too often fail to meet these high standards. It's a, a great point. Yeah. It's a great point. <laughs> uh, what was the third one? Uh, his third one was height-related conversations with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a tall, I'm a tall person, six foot seven, and I'm very much aware of this and therefore don't need to be reminded constantly <laughs> by strangers. It is especially irritating if someone is trying to get a cheap laugh from their group of mates at your expense. Uh-oh. So again, he's thinking of other people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't born in a greenhouse. No, I don't play basketball. And no, I didn't have my Weetabix when I was a kid. And how was the weather? I tended to go for <laughs> porridge instead. There we go. So sensible. So what a good family! Uh, so they got an absolute hiding. Do, do you want to quickly <laughs> go over this? Yeah, do, we, do we, we need? We don't like, need to spend much yeah, time on that. Do. We do. I'll, I'll, really? I'll happily talk about a little bit about Worcester and a bit about Leicester. How good they well, were. So there's a couple of things, right? The, the reason the Premiership is so good because you can look at this in the wider context. What this means for both teams. It's just not. It's not a one-off test. You know, it, there is actually uh, you know some point in it. I found it very interesting that. Um, Jonathan Thomas described what he saw from Leicester as the most complete premiership performance that he's seen in a long time. Now, maybe that's just him getting an absolute hiding, but I think yeah. it also tells you a little bit of a story about Leicester as well. So, I think it is probably him having get a hiding. He's always going to deflect and pay compliments to the other team rather than criticise his own team. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the media, he is going to. Yeah. Nadolo is... Such a weapon. Was, but you give him so much time and space yeah. down that left wing yeah. and you miss your first tackle or don't put an effort into first tackle and then you have to throw three players in there to, to even come close to stopping him and he just offloads inside, which he did to was it, um, Dolly and Wigglesworth for their tries. But also, uh, was George Ford starting? Yeah. George Ford yeah, was yeah, starting. Because he, he spotted, um, he because of the 50-20 threat that Ford will bring... They dropped their winger back. Ford spotted it straight away. Crossfield kick to Nadolo in space. Game over. Well, yeah. I think this is the magic of him at the moment. He is so dangerous. And you saw it against Gloucester. They were getting him in those wide channels and he's just you know, rampaging. When you have to concentrate on the wide man, you have to spread your defence. All mm-hmm. of a sudden it makes your centres more dangerous. It makes your fly half more, more dangerous. George Ford is dangerous enough on his own. And he's you know threading the needle with various passes. And that's when Nadolo gets into space. So they've got... This wonderful way of using him and then you know getting him into the game, which he hasn't been been in the game for that long uh, for Leicester Tigers. In fact, they've been fairly um, 
fairly uh, in, um, inaccurate with his use. But there's very few players like George Ford. If that winger had stepped up to try and nullify the threat of Nadolo, he would he, he game would, over. He, he would yeah. he would kick spaces in behind. He would kick behind and game over. He just George Ford is just seeing things at the minute. Yeah, mm. I, I guess it'd just be easy to misuse him, and I think that has happened in the past, particularly when mm. Ford hasn't been around. Yeah, yeah. But when he when he's because it happened at least three times in that game, probably more. Um, when he's on the open side and you identify the space and you find him in space, it's it's so hard to defend. It's such a nightmare to defend that he just sucks players in, yeah. which creates the the space for people around him. Yeah, I mean, I think just looking at the two teams, Leicester came out with their absolute strongest unit. I mean, they looked awesome. That back row. Yeah, it's, it's pretty handy. And then they lose two of them immediately, pretty much, don't they? Van Staten mm. and Visa have gone again, which is just not on, really. But anyway, it happens. Mm. Uh, but then you look at Worcester, yeah, they've lost Ted Hill, they've lost Owen Williams, and they're looking threadbare already, and they're, what, five games in? Four uh, games in, something like that? What about Nick David? Well, Nick I mean, David's obviously not there, is yeah, he? Yeah, but we've not seen him at Queen. I, I mean, what about him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've lost him last year. Yeah, I'm assuming he's still injured. He was injured at the end of last season. Is he still I don't know, injured? but it's, it's interesting. Not, I was thinking about him on, mm. on Friday night, thinking, why are we not seeing him? I presume he is injured, but I don't know. Uh, why do I have a feeling that I... Did I see him on... No, maybe not. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm dreaming that I did see him. Mm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyway, there's, there's issues there. The other one is uh, what Wales did announce their squad and Chris Day. I can't. I, I don't. I'm, it's not Chris Day. It's Chris. Oh, Chris, just Chris. Just I know. Chris I know you, it's not Christ. And yeah. I think when you Silent pronounce take. his full name, it's. Oh, I think it's Chris Day. It's Chris. Christa. It's, it's Chris because I phoned. Uh, I phoned my person in Exeter uh, to ask why on earth is this boy in in the Wales Wales squad? I saw him the other week at the AJ Bell, and yes, he's tall. Does not look like he doesn't look like a Premiership player to me. Let alone a international. player. He's apparently a phenomenal athlete. Like as in he, he would run two hundred. He would run two hundred meters. Could do high jump, um, shot put, and, and so, like just an all what, a basketball player. Just an all round incredible athlete. And the really interesting story about him is that when the St Joseph School Festival happened, all these Premiership clubs were going. Oh my God. That boy. Look at this kid. And they were going to talk to him. And what did they find out when they went to talk to him? Sam Baxter. He's already signed for Exeter. Rob Baxter was so far ahead of any other uh, director of rugby or coach or anything uh, to the extent. And Rob Baxter sealed it before that tournament, before anyone else uh, had him on their radar. He drove, got up at 4am in the morning, drove to South Wales to meet him to get the deal done. Because uh, he had to drive back for a meeting at 11am at Exeter. So there's a little bit more system at Um He's not the only one who is at Exeter. So there's three Welsh lads who have come down from Wales who couldn't get a uh, a gig in one of the Welsh regions and they've all signed for Exeter. And they all sound like they want to play for Wales. But apparently there's an even bigger second row down there who's just not quite ready. Now I'm not saying this kid is not going to be a Welsh international. He's already been picked. I'm not saying that he's not going to be a great player, but he's definitely not ready for international in the same way that George Cruz is. No, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. He's and, not. Yeah, there's a, yeah. he's got. I just looking at him. I reckon he's got another ten to twenty kilograms to put on before yeah, he's ready. I would agree with that. He's he's only nineteen. Yeah, he's he does he will fill out 
Wales are just capping him. Thought. Wales, I think he's that good that Wales are just capping him. It, it's, it's, he's got that much potential. Is it a is land what grab? I would say. Yeah, the, he's got that yeah, much potential. Uh, yeah, quite it, right. it, it is. It's a land grab. I hate a land it. Grab. It is a land grab. I hate it as well. It's because of potential. Because he he could be absolutely unbelievable because he's got all of these amazing physical the, the only issue is this is where the, the Wales saying you can't play outside uh, of Wales unless this uh, certain situations that you can't have it both ways you can't go yeah. and land you can't go and land grab a player <laughs> and then say you have to come and play at one yeah, of these miserable system. regions yeah exactly so here'd be my argument right None of the regions are particularly competitive. They, you know, they cobble together a good fifteen, but they're not Leinster. Os- Ospreys are doing all right at the moment. Yeah, that in, is in four games, so, one three. So, uh, so Ospreys is a great example. Instead of Ospreys paying through the nose for Alan Wynn and Adam Beard, why don't one of those boys go to Exeter and win something, and you develop the next generation rather than having the next generation go? Because they've got it back to front. You know, those kids that have gone down to Exeter will be on what ten. 10 grand to 35 grand? Well, yeah. 40k? Yeah, maximum. Yeah, is it not 30k? I think it's it's like 30 or 40, between 30 and 40k maximum at that academy. Absolute maximum, right? And they've got three of them there playing. Meanwhile, what do you reckon Alan wins on or Adam Beard? 250, 300. Yeah, Alan Wynn will be 300 probably. It's that kind of of money. It's madness. So why not get the experienced guys to go and play play overseas? You know, they've done their bit for Wales, they've done their bit for so on and so forth. You know, go cap the youngsters... That makes so much more sense. But the way that Wales is at the moment, it's bringing back Will Rowlands, it's bring, bringing back um, George North, it's bringing back all of the, all of these lads. Thomas Young is the latest one. Yep. And then they're forming out their kids. They're, they're, they're mad. They're absolutely mad. Well, unless the coaching is that much better out of Wales that they're, they're actually... It's... Actually, we're not very good at developing players here. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not just coaching, is it? It's the fact that you have to play for one of the regions. And what, what are you going to play in the latter stages of the Heineken Cup? No. Are you going to... Well, you know, yeah. It's not going to. That that is one definite possibility. The other side, for someone like Alan Wynne Jones, who's what thirty six now, I want to mm. say thirty five, thirty six. If he if he goes to the Premiership, like like Stuart Hogg is finding out, um, he will be playing. Yeah, he they will get ev- they'll get their pound of flesh because they will be paying him a market rate, a true market rate, not a WRU perceived market rate. Yeah, and they will get their money's worth, which might have meant that had he had gone five years ago, he wouldn't still be playing. Yeah. He and- could, just, just on this, um, just on the, on this lad. Hypothetically, say if he's everything that they think he is. Say, you know, he's the next George Cruz or some, someone. Mm-hmm. Right? To get him back, you're gonna have to offer him a contract which is far in excess of what you'd have to pay him if you just kept him in Wales to start with. <laughs> you could go from 35k and then up his salary immediately to 100k with you know for three years, and you could do it gradually. But if you want to get him back from Exeter when he's in the last stages of the Heineken Cup, do you think Exeter are just gonna say, "Oh, actually, yeah, we're not gonna offer you anything"? They're gonna offer him a, com- a competitive contract. They'll have to pay. Thought he's on a four-year deal. Perfect. Four-year. Yeah. So 23, he could be at the peak of his powers. I mean. Mario told you he was going on a Lions tour at twenty three, wasn't he? Yeah. So if I mean if he's if he's that good, yeah. <sighs> not not saying he is that good. I'm, I, if if he reaches anywhere close to his potential and what his potential yeah. is talked up to be, mm. he will be a very serious baller. Yeah. You know, potential is one thing for second rows. They've actually got to go. I mean, it's not like the wing. You can't just be good. <laughs> unless you can't you're, just be fast. Yeah, you can't just have one thing. You've got to you know be pretty hard. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to yeah. know all the out calls. You've got to ex- execute right all the time. It's a much harder position for a young man to play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You need the experience. Agreed. And you need the, the size, which obviously... It takes it takes yeah. some time. Well, let's let's talk about the game where Maru Itoji did return to the field. <laughs> first, first five minutes. First five Strolls minutes. Under oh, the post. I'm back. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start on this game. 
Well, I'll tell you what, let's start or pour a little bit of praise on Saracens, who were absolutely outstanding. They were up for this, weren't they? They really, really <laughs> were. And it, we're not quite at full strength for Saracens. We're not far off it with that with that side. Pre, pretty much. Elliot Daly and I think one or two others could have slotted in, but it was a really good team, and they were hard. They are hard, aren't they? I mean, it's just... Nasty. I, I, I do struggle when Bath are so poor to work out. Maybe they were good because they were against Bath. But no, they are just good, aren't they? They are just really good. They they were excellent, and any weakness in that Bath defence, and there were plenty. Yeah, any weakness they exploited, and the way that they just they they do it every way. They they scored tries with the forwards grinding it out, the offloading game, the rolling mall, spreading it wide, and um, Maitland and Malins, who looks amazing again. So does Ben awesome. Earl. Those two. You talk. We, we, we think about Bristol. Ben Earl and Malins alone make yeah. a. A huge yeah. hole. Ben Earl's so good. Yeah. Mailers is so good. Yeah. Mailers has got a hat trick. The, the two centres, Lazowski yeah. and Tompkins, looking awesome and like breaking tackles and distributing. And, and I mean, Farrell's quite good at rugby. He is quite Huge good, flash. isn't he? Yeah. The the pass, the, the little like double loop mm. around for, I think it was the first million. I want to say it was the first million's try, but there's so many tries out. It's, it's hard to yeah, keep Yeah, Mailers scored three tries and is responsible for only 30% of the tries <laughs> that Saracen scored. Yeah. <laughs> he also completely missed the Muir tackle, so uh, yeah. for that try. So he's got, he's got, you know, he can improve. Yeah. He's got things to work on. He was outstanding. He's got something to work on. Will Definitely. Muir runs like a horse, though. Yeah. Wilmore Muir was one of the few bright sparks yeah. from, from that. Uh, Very few. It's just, from that path team. Uh, there's not much you can add to things we've said in the past about Saracens, other than the fact that there was a question mark over could they still be as good as they were when they weren't exactly playing by the rules. Uh, well, uh, in some ways they're better. In some ways they look more focused, they look more together than before because these are the guys that, that are left. And if you've stuck with Saracens through the championship days, can you imagine how motivated you are to go and stick it to every single Premiership club who ever doubted you? Yeah, yeah. totally. And also, you know, you talk. I know they are just playing for their club, but Billy Vanapola is looking like a man who is angry yeah. that he was left out. Yeah, there's that's some motivation, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that I think that's probably the overall story about Saracens, and probably will be for the rest of the season. This is a sort of game that I feel they would have saved for a European <laughs> semi-final. Or when they'd lost a big game, and then they, they as as it normally happened, they were playing they play Northampton. Northampton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like four times on oh the bounce, no. sixty points on Northampton. Yeah. But that but that first, so was it forty seven or forty five nil at half time? That is well, it is unprecedented because it's the biggest half time lead. Um, in Premiership history. So well done, Bath. They only lost the second half, like 21-11. Well done. <laughs> as Sarah Elgin pointed out to Stuart Hooper, <laughs> yeah. the biggest ever. <laughs> hard, hard what, did he, what did he say to that, by the way? He didn't say very much, to be honest. Oh, he, 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 was he, said ju- he said there's no hiding from that. Yeah, which was... <laughs> basically, the theme of his, his interview was... Uh, every single time he was like, we've got to look ourselves in the eye, there's no hiding, we've got to ask ourselves some tough questions, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just a repeat of those. But he, but did, again, like, but he didn't do what Jonathan Thomas did. He could have said, that's the most complete performance we've yeah. come up against. They are much so, better than we are. But, you know, look through their team. They're not that much better, are they? Like, man for man. I mean, I knew it, it was going to go, go down this. Well, I didn't, actually. I thought Bath would be up by 17 points. And then they get beat 30-17. That's where you put money on Saracens. 100% I put money on Saracens. Um, you just missed that, that first part. Now, here is something quite incredible. 
I think Vincent Cox's a good player. But they've obviously gone out and got this other guy who's even better. Riccioni, yeah. Riccioni, that's a great sign. Great, as we've already... Phil pointed it out a few weeks ago and his legs are are outstanding. I couldn't miss them the first game he was playing. Such good legs. They're incredible. Shapely, tanned, possibly shaven. Tattoos in the right place. Deserves to be a statue outside the cathedral in Florence. Yes. Quite. Uh, Just brilliant. Now, Bath. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that um, summarise Bath in a noise uh, I mean <laughs> what? where do you start who do you fire first uh, who do you fire first okay, so, so I'm going to jump in and point something out I've, s- I've said this for a long time and f- in the rugby paper today on the front page <laughs> I've seen this on the front page of the rugby paper it was like have you been listening to Old Egg Chasers podcast but yeah. no I'm glad someone else is finally saying this what I've said for a while is it's just too cushy at Bath. Farley House is incredible. It's lovely. And it's just too nice. But have have you the... seen how cushy Sale is now? Because they're, they're at Carrington. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the new Carrington? Carrington is like the final it's level. Man City's old ground, yeah. isn't it? Our old it, training ground. It's yeah. like the final level of, do you know when you're playing Championship Manager and you build the imaginary <laughs> complexes? It, it's that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what it is, but... Since Bath have moved to Farley House, they are just soft. And my brother um, got into the Bath first team squad when he was a, like coming through the twenty ones and stuff. And he used to go and train on Lambridge, which was a, a concrete block that probably had animals in it at some point, and then had the showers. And it would be at Lambridge on a bog with Danny Grucock and Steve Borthwick. Um, Ideal knocking lumps out of him. And and his whole career, all anyone said about Nick was he's hard, and he says it was because of of the pitch, of, no, of be, the training, be, because of training with Danny Krukok and Steve Borthwick knocking lumps out of him on a bog. But Danny Krukok's still there though, isn't he? He's a school teacher, I think. He, sure. he, he was involved in the academy, I think. Ah. He might be involved in the academy again. Anyway, they're just soft. By by their standards, they, I wouldn't say this, to any of their faces because yeah. they're they all, are soft. But this this was yeah. For Premiership standard rugby, this yeah. was so soft. And, they, and for, for all the good things that Saracens did, and they did a lot of good things, there were dozens of things where it was just so easy. And we criticised Bristol the other week uh, after their first 21 points against Harlequins for just, they were just soft. They weren't, weren't closing gaps, weren't switching on. And the same could be said of Bath today. There's just no pride in what they do. That's the only thing I can come, come... I mean, there is some players, I talk about them every week. I don't think Sam Underhill plays soft. I don't think Josh Bayless plays soft. I don't think Josh McNally. Yeah, Josh McNally. Josh McNally and Will Muir are kind of the, the two that are going... But they're, they're, that front row... Like the, yeah. That front row should be it, absolutely dominating people. It is an international front row. They yeah. are all capped internationals, and they are all good players in their own right. They, Tom they are excellent. They are so much less for Bath than some of their parts. Whereas Saracens, and there is an amazing sum of the Saracens parts, they were so much more than the sum of their parts. And that's the difference. It's the difference from teams like Bath at the moment, Bristol at the moment, to teams like Saracens and Exeter for the last five to ten years. All right, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to come round, and I, I always think it's too easy to just go, oh, get the coach out, get rid of him. Because like a, a lot of those errors weren't system errors. They were just... Oh, you, yeah. just, you just dropped off that tackle. So. And, 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 but I guess you look at Paul Gustard at Quinns and the, and the incredible turnaround there with with, with a different character. Um, well, no one at the helm, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
a different just camp. not him that same, was the important yeah, thing same yeah. players you uh, look at Leicester and may, maybe that is the case right. now I've got a lot of time for Stuart Hooper as a guy I think he's great really intelligent bloke but yeah I, I think it's if, if even I am starting to go yeah. the spotlight's going to be put on him more and more then I think 71-17 I mean mm. how does it not um, there is something to this right which is I've got a theory now about premiership head coaches. I'm going to try and sketch it out because it's a little bit nebulous still, but bear with me. So across the league, you are now seeing these coaches. Stuart Hooper is definitely in this category. Pat Lamb is in this category. Sanderson is in this category. We don't really hear enough about um, what happens at Saracens, but I know stuff goes on there. Borthwick, to a certain degree. And all of them are looking for the extra advantage. Because I think the salary cap now has meant that every team is bloody good. This bat team is the best worst team I have ever seen. They are <laughs> outstanding as individuals, and yet where are they? They're winless at the bottom of the Premiership. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we're starting to see all the head coaches basically go slightly insane. Whether it be walking up Snowden in the dark, or it's writing love on your changing room wall, or it's reading management manuals. There's only so much rugby you can teach. Uh, and actually, maybe that's another thing. There's, oh, there's only so much rugby you can teach because you're limited by the amount of time which you've got. And they all know about rugby. They all know how to play play rugby. But there's obviously trade-offs. Like, what do I coach? What, what do we focus on? Do we focus on breakdowns? Do we focus on... You can't do... Even as a full-time professional, you cannot focus on every aspect of rugby. The game is just too vast, too vast for you to do that. So rugby and coaching of rugby is so difficult that they'll do a certain standard of it, but then they get their advantage through... You know, like the whole cultural thing that Samson's doing, or you know, all being brothers, as in Bristol, which is now failing, or in Bath's case, it was systems and processes and management talk. And I think that's or why buying South African farmland. Or but exactly now that's that is an unusual way to, to go about it, <laughs> but it's very effective. But that that buying South African farmland combined with um, taking the boys on the piss to Dubai or to Oktoberfest or wherever, yeah, that's a great combination. I mean, you know, even Worcester have got their own thing. I mean, theirs is all about being extra fit and working extra hard. And Doesn't... super fast Wi-Fi in the academy house. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so I think the Premiership's going to go more and more crazy as <laughs> the salary cap bites because you can't buy your way out of this. You yeah, know, it's, you're, you're stuck now. You, yeah, you have to. You, by definition, you have to find the extra percent. Yeah. here and there, and it is. It, it does become um, like the what's the the British cycling thing. Marginal, marginal, ga- gains, marginal yeah. games, and it's marginal gains across. Like, you can't improve anything by ten percent, so you have to improve ten things by one percent. Yes. The problem with that then is people will look for the silver bullet and buy into the bullshit and go for things. And I'm, I'm just going to say a name now that we all might smile, but I don't actually know what this stuff is, so I'm saying it um, quite flippantly. But people buy into things like Save Your World. Yes, because and I, that might be amazing. It might work perfectly, or it might just be a silver, like a um, uh, placebo. Plus, yeah, placebo type thing. Or no, no, it, it is just it's just kind of nonsense. But if you buy into it, then it will help. <laughs> placebo. Saw, who was I talking to? Someone, someone who played in the program. I can't remember who, who it was, but it, it, it caught on the subject of Harlequins. And I said, I said, oh yeah, or you just you know fly a bunch of attack helicopters over. And he had no idea what I was talking about. I said, no, 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 look, they actually flew attack helicopters onto the field. <laughs> And as the Premiership gets more and more competitive, you're going to see more and more crazy stuff. And I think as they're chasing rainbows, 
they're going to forget actually what it is that they that meant to cut. I think they'll have a massive correction. I think the head of this correction will, will be Steve Borthwick because mm. he talks constantly about breakdown defence and set piece yeah, because yeah. he knows what's important. And I think Sanderson knows what's important too, to be fair to him. Yeah. He absolutely knows. And then he's got all... But like Borthwick's got so like 20 books in his car about learning. So the last, uh, like the last book he was uh, reading is all different ways that people learn. So he is doing that stuff, but fundamentally he's rooted in what his rugby club needs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it looks like Bath, uh, Bath, uh, and in some of the pre- recent games, they've shown the way they're trying to evolve the attack. Obviously, Cipriani they thought was going to be a a part of that jigsaw. We predicted the way that would t- that appears like it's turning out. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't unpredictable was no it, it wasn't <laughs> unpredictable but, <laughs> but you can see some of that attacking shape but it's that old cliche of you've got to earn the right and they're not <laughs> they're not earning the right so okay. one of the things which really bugged me today in the bath game was Maratoji came off because he had a, a knock so he limps off and everyone's like well that's his day done disappointing uh save him for the next battle i don't think he's injured i hope he's not injured yeah but, you know, it's, it, it'd be yeah next thing you know jo- um watson 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 comes off and they go, oh, it's precautionary. And, you know, he needs to save himself for England. I was like, no, he doesn't. Not not when you're 71 points down. You stay out there until <laughs> you can no longer walk. Like, you don't get you don't get, get out of this. You have not earned the rights to come off yet. Yeah, yeah. I'd like, make him play the whole, the whole thing. And then make him do laps afterwards. Oh, like it would be the most miserable. They, they do need someone new at the top. And I think I know the guy. <laughs> uh, Michael sh- Checker. Shall we try? Michael Checker's a great Michael shout. Checker. He's not the best Let me see though, if I he? can guess who JB would say. <laughs> uh, so so actually, ex-hawker. So and actually, it, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, to say before I guess what JB's prediction is that I think I agree with him. Yeah, I, I think it would be better than what they've got now. Steve Stuart Lancaster. Diamond. No. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Diamond. Yes, of course it's Steve Diamond. Now... You could even bring Dimes in as a consultant. Quite frankly, he's he's senior enough to do it. He's you know he knows everything there is to know about rugby clubs and running rugby clubs. He's you know for a long time before the new owners came in, he's basically running the whole thing. He knows his stuff, and he's not going to dress it up in, in management nonsense. He's going to tell you exactly what you're doing wrong. He knows how to assemble a squad, yeah. and he can be ruthless and get rid of players that are not worth the money they're being paid, and he will get find players that our value and in a salary cap world that's absolutely yeah. and, essential and, and one more thing on him we all we all think of him oh you know um old-fashioned dinosaur he, he is not he is incredibly bright and on top of that when he wants to be he's incredibly charismatic he can manage up as well as he can manage down now when he manages down it can be brutal it but what is this it's not it's not a preschool <laughs> like you know you've got to get men ready to put their body on on the line, you need to know what um, what what what's what. Who um, who knows what they're doing, and he knows that better than almost anyone. Also, there's been stories in the past about uh, head coaches who turn up for training, and there's a player that they did not sign that Bruce Craig signed yeah. for them, and I, and that sort of stuff would not fly. With no, Diamond, it would with not. Diamond. Mm. No, it would not. And I think almost Bruce Craig needs someone like Steve Diamond and, do to you know, say, "Here's the line: you don't cross it." Yeah, like sales are doing well now, and that is down to no small part because of the current owners. I mean, you know, they they really have taken it to next to next level. But they didn't accidentally find sale. You, you know, mm. they they were coaxed, not coaxed. That isn't that that isn't the right word. But you know, they were attracted to the club by what was going on there already. They could see the uh, they could see the potential. That all that all came all came from Steve Diamond. All of it, whether you like him or not, and lots mm. of people don't. But 
back to the thing about all the other. He's available, and he would have yeah. an, he would have a, a very fast effect. Though. Very fast, and not only yeah. that. Do you know when we I started this thing by saying all the DORs are looking for their point of difference? Well, he has a genuine point of difference. You know, he doesn't need to make it up. It doesn't doesn't come from a book. It's a point of difference. Yeah, and he is not looking for the the silver bullet. Yeah, the fake point of difference. He has a real point of difference. Exactly. And I quite I quite like the fact that he's. Because, as you said, he's very smart and astute. He's independently wealthy and doesn't need to take the job. That's almost perfect for Bath. Yes. Cause yeah. Because anyone it, else will be beholden to whatever Bruce Craig wants to exactly. do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I would love to see Dimes have a shot of finally making top four. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. He was one COVID game away from it. <laughs> yeah, After he, 10 years. 10 years of. 10 years. 10 years of. <laughs> You're managing on half a salary cap, and then he gets the team he needs. Bloody COVID. Got an email here from Blair, a Bath fan, uh, on email. Contact techchasers at gmail.com. He said, well, that was embarrassing, uh, but fair play. Saracens were very good. Uh, I took your advice from my last email. I think he's had a back and forth with you before, JB. And he had a long chat with his son, who nailed it, uh, who said, Bath might be poor, but it's still a great day out, and I'd rather watch rugby at the rec than Ashton Gate or anywhere else. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good. That is a very the good point. The best point, maybe. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get to see some great games, so let's just be rugby fans and see if we see out this messy blip. General consensus in the Thatcher's stand was we don't play as a team, but we have some great potential. Uh, needs a bit of a clear out and a new culture. The fans were resigned. I'm about to get the train home, and we'll be back in a fortnight for the Wasp game. Thank goodness for Will Muir mm. and Q Buster Cider. Oh, you mm. keep keeping your glass half full there, Blair. Well played. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it could be worse, couldn't it? It could be much worse. You could be a London Welsh fan when they were up playing in Oxford. You know, it yeah, it could be awful. You play in the rack and you've got an amazing squad and there's no relegation. Uh, uh, looking at looking today, the sun was shining, blue sky. Mm. There's there's few better places to be in the world than the wreck on a day like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> when you're a Bath fan in that amazing, amazing look, and it is. An amazing. It's, one it's of a the, world heritage site. Yeah, it is one of the. It's probably the best place that I've watched any sport yeah. there in the are, world. There are NFL owners out there who spend their billions building stadiums, and they still don't have the rack. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing location. And Miles uh, Burley has also emailed and and pointed out that the Bath starting pack had seven full internationals. And and in Miles Reed, someone who would have been a full international were it not for an injury in the summer. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, in some respects, they have the perfect pack because they are internationals who aren't quite first choice yeah. and might not be involved. So they're, yeah, they're, they'll be available all the time. More consistency, but that that is so frustrating <laughs> for Bath because. And that this is this is to your point, and I do agree with this, Tim. I I think that, I think two things can be true at once. I think Hooper needs to go now because we've we've seen enough of this. But I also think the players have got a lot to answer for themselves. Absolutely, yeah. Do, uh, do not let them off the hook. No, not at all. Because this is and a lot of senior guys there as well. Yeah, senior guys, experienced guys, capable guys. We know these guys are capable. We've seen it. We've seen them do it in England shirt. So I, I honestly don't know what the truth is behind you know why Gustard left and what the attitude was from the players towards him I, I, I honestly don't know but I know what the public persona is which is we felt that we let down Gustard and because he went first uh, you know we felt pretty bad about it if that's true or not I don't know but let's just say it is true uh, mm-hmm. you could see something like that in Bath, ha- Bath happening which is look you know we've let a good you know, we've let a good man fall because we were idiots because we didn't take we were lazy yeah. and all the rest of it yeah because there's no other word for how they played today it was lazy yeah it was lazy 
Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they have that kind of Harlequins effect, and then they win the league. Uh, <laughs> maybe. And Hooper goes to coach Zebra. Maybe. Perfect. <laughs> um, I've just seen another great email as well from James Mooney, who has said, um, he just said, please, guys, check out the new beer it's sponsor. Who is the new beer? Oh, I, I know. know who this is. I've heard of this before. Is it? Is it? Is it like a gay dating website or something? It's, it's Grinder, isn't it? Oh, is it Grinder? I think. Beer it's Ollie it's and not Pete. Tinder, is it? Spo- yeah, sponsored by Grinder. Yeah. This, this is um, the, sort of the back end of back end of last season, but apparently they've been putting out some great um, social media stuff as well, which I'm, I, I will try and find through the podcast. But apparently, it's, it's just it's quite a lot of people very much enjoying it. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. More power to you. I mean, really, Bristol Bears should be <laughs> sponsored by Grinder. That would be per- perfect tie-in. Yeah, Bristol Bears. Um... Oh, because oh, if I feel like I need to explain that now. That's not any uh, just because Bristol Bears. Bristol. There was that period where Bristol Bears could didn't have BristolBears.com. No, because BristolBears.com was a was gay, a gay bar in in Bristol. I th- was it? Uh, yeah. Not, was it not Massachusetts? Uh, yeah. No, no, it was in Bristol. Yeah. Uh, is that Connecticut? Somewhere? Bristol, Connecticut? No, it was in Bristol. It was no, in no, Bristol, no, England. No, 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 it was American. No, 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 it was in Bristol, England, I'm sure. No, I think it's American. Oh, Come okay. Can't, don't know. Find oh, the okay. Bristol, Bristol Bears gay bar, please. <laughs> <laughs> bring, bring it up, Phil. I've just, um, oh, just Googled bristolbears.com, mm-hmm. and uh, it is safe for work. It's just a man in a suit with a finger. Oh. There's, that, that's it. There's oh, right. Oh, so, so, no still, so bristolbears.com... Our, it doesn't matter. It, but, but it was so they, like, Hold on, hold on. How did they get like a seven-year contract for Pat Lamb and they haven't bought the domain for yeah. their own maybe it's .co.uk yeah so bristolbears.com is very similar to when a premiership <laughs> premiership rugby decided to run a competition called prem hashtag prem picks does anyone remember the prem picks <laughs> oh yes that, that hashtag was incredible why prem- did you not check prem- I, am, I am on I'm on bristolbears.co.uk and it, it does seem to be a bar of some sorts <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Do we, have, do we have to book in advance? How, how do we... I'm going to find out. You keep talking. Yeah. Um, yeah, Prem Picks. The fact that they didn't check what Prem Picks might, like, might be is, uh, is astounding. <laughs> Bristol Bears Fiesta 15 is oh. a, it's a very... That's em- awesome. ...empassioned yeah, rugby picture. But you see, I think it's in Bristol, England. I oh, think you're right. Yeah, Bristol, well, it's good. Yeah, yeah, Bristol, Bristol Bear Bar, Old Market, Bristol. There you go. Oh, lo- beautiful, lo- lo- lovely! Home stuff. to Bristol Bear Fiesta. Can I get a Negroni Southern, there? Southern hibernation. I have no doubt that even if it's not on the menu, the experienced uh, bar keeps of uh, Bristol Bears Bar BBB in Bristol will sort you out with a Negroni. Night, night out in Bristol, we'll go there for a Negroni. Perfect, Perfect. lovely, love it. Bristol Bears, Bristol Bears. Now, uh, how have, you, have we all said enough about Bath? Are we all done with Bath? Are we finished with Bath. I'm done with Bath. Finished with Bath. Yeah, and we've we've talked about Bristol quite a lot on recent podcasts. Can we can we talk Exeter and Wasps? Yeah, you can. That game. Oh, because that was a really good game. It was. I really enjoyed that game. Yeah, and it was surprising as well. So when when Exeter scored those two tries, the uh, the Slade try followed by the Cordero try in the first half, you think right they go fifteen points to three up. Extra winning this, they'll win the tight tight battle. They've clearly got the outside battle, um, and they're just going to pull away. And they didn't, to Wasp's credit, they didn't. And Wasp scored those two uh, rolling malls mm. tried, beating Exeter at their own game yeah. in that effect. I thought, yeah. And 
Wasps were unlucky not to not to get more, not to not to win this game. It was very good all round Wasp performance. It was. And it was only the the extra fight back and the extra heart and the, the being able to grind it out from situations like this that they've been in many times before that just got them over the line. I think Wasps are superb. I, yeah. I really do. I, you know, I, at home, at home, at home. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good point. They are the opposite to someone like London Irish. I, I, they might be. The best coach team in the league, or you know, the they're up there with top three. The difference being, I don't think they've got the absolute top end talent to compete. They're bringing in a lot of lads. I mean, that how many debuts this week? Uh, this week alone, I think the scrum half. Uh, oh, uh, it was Hugo's first game. It was replacement hooker. Yeah, replacement hooker's first game. Harrison. Was there, was there a centre as well who had his first game? Simmons. I'm not sure, but you know, the point is that they are bringing lads through. Yeah, it's, uh, Simmons. Uh, who came on in the centre was playing at Nottingham, yeah, last year. So you know to get these lads, who's twenty one as well, up, you know, uh, uh, up and running, playing for Wasps, playing well. You know, Dan Frost, did he get another try? Yeah, yeah. You know, when, uh, when, uh, went off injured, replaced by yet another person who had never played for Wasps <laughs> again. I just think I think what they do is absolutely astounding, absolutely astounding. But also the way they go about their business, I think they, you know they, they play so flat to the line. Their ruck speed is so high, so they're getting behind the extra lines, and it's not as if extra can't defend or don't know what they're doing. Extra know exactly what they're doing. And in terms of personnel, I'd say Rob Baxter and Lee Blackett are very similar in that is they do a lot of due, due diligence yeah. in searching for players, spot the, the the talent and the potential where it exists. And bring it in, no matter where you've come from. Yeah, mm. they're not bothered about a name. They're not bothered about what club you're at. They'll go and find you if you're there. Yeah, they're mm. not looking through CVs, are they? They're no. looking through video game clips tape. and game tape. And they're on. Yeah. And, I, and in the case of Rob Baxter, what I know because there was a point where uh, Nick was um, being thought of. Uh, they call. They make Rob Baxter calls and asks. Basically, gets references from all kinds of people about the kind of bloke these people are. Yeah. And I bet I let Lee, I bet Lee Blackett is the same. I bet yeah. Lee Blackett has got the phone number of every championship DOR well, and talks to them all the time. Funny you mention that. So uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, I talk about regularly, re- talk to regularly about, about these things, and he has a theory on uh, wasps. And this will be music to your ears, which is he is one of the few DORs who takes the championship really, really seriously. And because mm. he does, he gets really good information about who. Because someone does the RFU don't. So <laughs> at least Lee Blackett is more on them later. Because well, Lee Blackett. Uh, and Baxter both played in the championship. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. He actually took his they, team from the championship. Yeah, they well, both. he's he's from the championship as mm. a coach. Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, they both understand it. They both know it. They know the the strengths and the weaknesses, the opportunities there. Yeah. So you know, I just think what 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 they do is fantastic. They until they spend up to the cap, and I don't believe that they are quite there yet. They they turn over a lot of players, and also usually quite a lot of high profile players. Yeah. Until they can spend in the same way that Bath spend, they're always going to be struggling. Yeah, but they're a bloody good team. If they could keep their first 15 fit <laughs> and out there, they would be a serious weapon because you add Launchbury and um, Jack, Jack Willis and Fekatoa, just and those dog three, woo. and a dog woo. You add those four players and others yeah. to, that, so, to that side. And I disagree with you slightly here. And I think if they had their starting 15 available every week, they wouldn't be that successful. And the reason is because I'm going to play the game where I think of everyone having their starting 15, I think they get overpowered. Where I think they have the advantage over everyone else is their coaching of sort of their mid-rank players and the new guys that they bring in. Mm. Because most clubs would absolutely be terrified of having three debutants play. 
They, they, they just couldn't do it. Whereas Wasps can. I think that's, that's their point of difference. So do you remember when they were beating everyone during the COVID games? It's because they could rotate their team much better than everyone else. Yep. And also games fell in their favour. Alfie Barbary as well, I didn't oh, mention. Yep. Mm. And there's another one. Uh, they, they just seem to be able to do mm. more things with more players more consistently. I just don't think their top end is that and good. And they're doing some of the non... The, the, when people think of Wasps, they think of all the attacking quick play. But actually, as Phil pointed out, they scored some tight tries against, against Exeter. Yeah. Conversely, Exeter, a lot of people say, oh, boring the way they play and stuff. Oh, my goodness, they score some great tries. Oh, those first two tries were amazing. Yeah. The Slade and the Cordero try. The Cordero yeah. to back himself on the outside of Marcus Watson. That was class. Yes. It was um, so good. And so it was. it's obviously not just pure pace. It was to create that one-on-one with him at full pelt yeah. was brilliant. I mean, I loved the, the Sam Simmons number eight pickup try, just yeah. monster in his way over. I love tries like that, but uh, and I love a good rolling mall, but anyone that says Exeter are one-dimensional or boring, I don't... They've heard someone else say it. They've heard someone else say it. They don't, they don't know what they're, what, what they're looking at. No. Yeah. They 100. play amazing. Right? And, and, now, and on, on that, just, just on the Slade try as well, the initial break and offload was by Dave Ewers. Who is it, as blunter instrument as X to have, but he has that in his locker as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has anyone noticed anything strange about X to last few games? I was going to mention this. Have you have you noticed it? The lack of no gone. Well, I, I was going to say the sponsor shirts. Oh, they've got shirt sponsor. No, 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 that's not it. Well, the one thing I was going to say was their captain is on the bench. Yes, he's been fit for four games. He's not started four games. So. Oh, Joe, Joe Simmons, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Uh, so they're picking Harvey Skinner on four. Again, this is Rob Baxter. Yeah. You do it in training, you're, you're, on, you're in on Saturday. So I think there's two things going on here, and I don't know this for certain, but that's what I think. I think Simmons has played a lot of rugby, mm-hmm. and I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. It's um, like many things. I'm just going to make a slight tangential argument here. It's like everybody getting worried that rugby is not safe to play because we keep on talking about rugby not being safe to play. And the more we talk about it, the more people think rugby isn't safe to play. Catch-22. Well, it's not safe to play. But that's not the point, right? <laughs> it's fine. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's not safe to play, but that's why we love it. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. it, it, it requires it. courage and bravery yeah. and commitment and and uh, attitude and uh, you know stop thinking about it yeah. stop thinking about it and go and yeah. play for god's sake go and play. so yeah that so the same logic i put to player burnout you know joe simmons is 22 or 24 or something like, like that yeah 24 let's say he's not yeah so i think they're resting him because he's played a lot of rugby and they were worried about the men, you know, the mental load on him but that said i mean i don't think you get less stressed sitting on the bench <laughs> I, on the, I get the physical load, sure, but he's a twenty-four-year-old professional athlete. You know, go play; it doesn't matter. And it's, it's not even—he's not even forward. Like, I'd get the twenty-four-year-old prop might be struggling after a full season, but not the fly half. Not having it. So, so that's not my read of the situation. Yes. The second thing I'd say is I think this is Harvey Skinner's chance. I think they've said right, we're going to let it, we're going to see if this guy's got the minerals, and. You got four games. Prove it. I think it's not. Well, I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll very quickly say because mm. you were going to jump in. I don't think. It, I don't. Uh, my read on it isn't that they're going. Oh well, let's see if you've got it. It's uh, based on what we've seen this week. That's that's the best player for the ten shirt. Ah, so, so my read is slightly different. I think their number one is definitely Joe Simmons, and he's not rested because of fatigue or men's side or anything like that. However, if you think back two years ago now, uh, less than that. 
the when Exxon most recently won the Premiership and did the double, they had Joe Simmons starting, but they had Gareth Steenson on the bench. So they had the drop-off between 1A and 1B. There was a clear 1A and I a clear it. 1B, yeah. but the drop-off was I bet, negligible. I bet you're right. It was it was 95 down to 92. Whereas now, because Skinner has played very little rugby at all until very recently, until these last few games, the drop-off is 95 down to... 75. Yeah. So they are taking this opportunity early in the season where the consequences are lower, but there are still meaningful, important games to raise the level of their number two. Oh, Phil, I love it. I bet you're right. Do do you know who who he reminds me of? Henry Slade. Uh, He's kind of skinny, wiry. I think we'll see him push out to 12 or 13 at some point. Mm. I think we'll see more than just 10 from Harvey Skinner. And they've been using Slade to do most of the kicking as well when he's been on the pitch, haven't they? Yeah, so they're, they're easy. Uh, kicking for sticks. That is. Oh, that would that would be so Exeter. It, yeah, like look, yeah. Th- thinking about the bigger picture and the long game. The long game. Yeah, and thinking yeah. thinking of a Premiership final when Joe Simmons goes down injured, and thinking about that on week it, it, one. Yeah, and it, those things will happen. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, yeah. do, you, do you know who I love at Exeter at the moment? Uh, the centre Hendricks. Is it Hendrickson or Hendrickson? Hendrickson. Just such a big bloke. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a big man. Just a big man. Big physical man. He's 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 like the um, incarnate of um, can't remember his name. The Northern Irish um, centre who's still there. Big Stew. No, no, who's still at Exeter? Who's been there for ten oh, years? Well, right. Oh, you mean the most uh, what, Witten. One of the Witten, two most Ian successful Witten. Ulster players of all time. Uh, ex- yes, Ian Witten and Gareth Stevenson, two most successful Ulster players of all time. <laughs> yeah, um, he's got a lot of similarities in the way that he plays. As um, but he's as taller and more Witten. handsome with broader shoulders. I'm not sure he's taller with broader shoulders. Than Ian oh, he Witten. Oh, he's massive, he mate. He's, so is Ian Witten. Tom Hendrickson is another level Ian, of massive. I'm not even sure. Ian Witten's six foot. I reckon Tom Hendrickson's like six four. So just the, the eyeball test. If you're, so out, if, you're out with your girl, if you're out with your girlfriend in Exeter, don't go to the bathroom if Tom Hendrickson's in the, in exactly. the bar. Well, I'm not saying he's not better looking than Witten. Let's have a look. I'm sure. I'm so sure. His shoulders are massive. So according to their Wikipedia page, which um not not entirely sure is accurate, Ian Witten is both taller and heavier. No! Not, Get yeah. out of town. I'm I'm not, that, would, that would be my... Incorrect. That would not be my incorrect. Um, assessment Wrong. as well. Wrong. Uh, t- JB, why didn't you lift both Witten and Tom Hendrickson I'm, when I'm, you were at Exeter? I'm down there in a, f- <laughs> in a few weeks' time. I'll, I'll find them both and I'll weigh them both. According to their Exeter Chiefs profile as well, Witten is uh, two inches taller and five kgs heavier. Hang on, so it, what, what are they classing Witten at? Like six? Six two. And Hendrickson's h- bigger than six foot. 105 kg. Hendrickson is six, six foot. Look at him! Look at him! Look at him! You played the same He's in before. isolation! I'm I'm just telling you what I saw with my own eyes from watching these boys and what has been confirmed by two independent sources. So we now have three points of data uh, yeah, which you... contradicts... <laughs> oh, yeah. That looks like Ian Witten. <laughs> Look, Look at him. Dave Ewers. <laughs> Guy, you, you were, Jimmy, you were wrong about Sam Simmons. I was right about Sam Simmons. You're wrong about, Sam, him. You're wrong about Sam Simmons. You're wrong quad. about Witten. You're wrong about Hendrickson. Yeah, he's massive. Look at the quads on the lad. <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah. He's two inches shorter and five kgs lighter than Ian Witten. That's a, that's a story. I mean, maybe Ian Witten's let himself go. Ian Witten is prime Northern Irish beef. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, this is actually a good op- a good point. The perfect point, in fact, to mention another email we've got, because it's about uh, the weight. Uh, more Rugby Weight Watchers is the title of the email from Sam mm. Fitzpatrick. And he said, Big Mac from Always Sunny Vibes here. Phil will enjoy this one, <laughs> I'm <Mac>. sure. <laughs> and he sent us a, um, a link to the Northampton Chronicle talking about Tom Collins feeling sharper as he now hits his fighting weight. What is this fight? So Tom Collins. Tom Collins is wiry and small. 80, 89 kilo, 87 kilograms. I think he'll be like 83 or 85, okay. something like that. Well, Tom Collins has been saying that before, uh, it, it, back end of last season to the start of this season, he's been fluctuating. Last year in the first lockdown, he went from 82 kgs. What did I say? Yeah. 80. You said 89. Oh. Said, um, so Phil was said 83, so they're up to 100 kgs. Tom Collins! Tom Collins went to 100. That's heavy. That than is bad. For him to get there in that time, that's bad weight. He said, all of a sudden, I've gone all the way back back down again to 81 or 82. Yeah. That's... He, he said, I just tested the water with the weight gain, and it's a funny story because I sort of aimed, at, uh, aimed to put some weight on in the first lockdown, and I really struggled, unlike most people during, like, yeah. <laughs> during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, he was like, I can't keep it on. And all of a sudden, it was like a snowball effect. And before I knew it, I was 96 kg and I'd piled on the weight. I came back and actually felt okay, but trying to get around on the pitch wasn't ideal. His, um, he said his girlfriend kept having a go at him because he kept turning on the Nutribullet to eat something else. And his whole life was just gym, eat, How go outside and do a field session and then eat again. So... Yeah, if I ballooned up by ten kilograms, it wouldn't be because I'm neutralizing and working out. <laughs> but I believe he, I believe him when he says he is, because also lean men as well tend to put on muscle a lot quicker. So maybe he's just got absolutely jacked. Mm. But he's gone but back still... down again, and he's happy. He's happy back around at low eighties. Yeah, if eighty-one up to um, ninety-six or close to hundred, fifteen plus kg, it's two stone. Lot. Yeah, to, that's not muscle. On. I mean, even, it could if, be. Even if you put it all on, I mean. To put it on in that time frame for muscle, you might need some... Uh, as a percentage, that's like... Yeah. That must be like one, yeah. one sixth, one seventh of his body weight in a yeah. matter of weeks. Well, let's ask no, no, uh, no more questions and move on from this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Nairavoro um, diet, diet, no doubt. Yeah. I, did, I saw some uh, Northampton players on Thursday morning. Oh, tell uh, me more. Uh, I didn't do anything with that information. I just... Um, Strolled past them as I was getting off the train at Euston at half eight on Thursday morning. Which ones? There were three Northampton players. Look, looking like, because they had a week, week off, looking ah. like they were going to have a, a fun weekend in London. 
so, oh, so they weren't on. The, they weren't heading back to Northampton from London. They were. Uh, they, they could have been. To be fair, they could have been. But when was it? Mean, Sorry, what day? You guys tell us which ones. Half eight on Thursday morning. I can tell you which ones if you want. Gone. It was senior players. Big courts. Big courts. This was it. Did you say those him? I was. I was. From my train was delayed, so I was running late for a meeting. Otherwise, I would have said. Because JB says hi. Exactly. Who? <laughs> so hold on, who would have been with is Big that, Courts? Is that the podcaster who sells Forex? The right wing, <laughs> the right, the right wing podcaster. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go Big Courts was with Tom Wood. Correct. Yeah. Two out of two. I, yeah. One more. Another senior player. I would say it's going to be Waller. Correct. Correct. Oh, wow. Three there you out go. of three, the boys were there. Absolutely nailing it. I was like, God, that bloke's big. Oh, that's Connie Laws. Yeah. Oh, and he's with Tom Wood. Tom Wood. Oh, and he's with Alex Waller. They're, yeah, big lads. Yes, absolutely. Oh, they'd be what a good crack they'd be. Chuck oh, down, awesome. chuck down bigger in the mix as well, and I reckon you'd have an. Dan Bigger doesn't drink, mate. Dan <laughs> no. Bigger, he's too might, pure. Might be, yeah, actually that's true. But he might be the nicest rugby player I've ever met. Yeah, Dan he is. He is very nice. <laughs> he's isn't incredibly he? nice. Um, can we talk about Bristol now? Yes. Uh, just just before we depart Exeter, shall we very briefly touch upon the thing? Because it's people will be expecting us to just contribute to to a debate which seems to be happening everywhere, whether mm. you want it to or not. Well, that's the point, isn't it? If you want it to or not. So I consumed all of the rugby this weekend. Uh, I actually forgot that this was a, that this was a story until BT Sport brought it up again. Uh, what are they playing? At? You know, what is their mission in all of this? They're here to sell the game. They're here to promote the game, and they're wearing this absolute nonsense, nonsense story. Uh, it's a farce of an organisation. I think everyone involved in pushing this has just been cowardly. You need to be standing from saying no. Uh, extra are not racists. No, uh, cultural appropriation percent, which only was invented like three weeks ago, and all of a sudden they've got experts on it and all sorts of. No, it's not what you need to be covering. And what did, what did BT Sport actually add to this? They brought on two experts who both arguing the same side of the argument. Oh, thank you for educating me. There was no, there was no part of the BT Sports uh, segment which was there to ed- to you know give you information. It was there to persuade. I thought it was awful. I thought the whole thing was awful. I thought Wasps statement. I was going to say Wasps were the ones that brought this up because in the week of the game, and this is one thing which Rob Baxter raised. He said he sort of said I'm not sure bringing it up. The week you're playing a, a team is 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 particularly good form, and I thought mm. that was pretty. I, I, see, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way it was done from Wasps, but Wasps were the ones that brought it into the conversation. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm going to slightly stand up for Wasps on this in, in a way. Look, I hate the fact that they are, they released a statement midweek, which is basically word soup. Um, it didn't make really much sense. I hate the way that they've engaged with the so-called fan group. Uh, and by the way, they, you know the the fan group is actually the uh, the podcast there. Absolutely fine. You know, if they want to say these things, if they want to express that opinion, absolutely fine. But they don't represent all Wasps fans. And I don't even think that Wasps should be doing this thing where they try and hang out one club uh, and basically scapegoat them or make them look like a bunch of racists or some of the worst things in society. Extra have done more for rugby over the last 10 years than pretty much any, any, uh, any other club has. So I didn't like that. But I'm torn with it because I do have an awful lot of respect for Wasps as an organisation and particularly their their, their CEO. Uh, so, you know, I just don't think it's... I just don't think they should be doing this stuff. I think they're dragging uh, the sport through the mud for no reason. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like a phrase from Stephen Fry. Um, he said, 
it's now very common to hear people say, I'm rather offended by that, as if that gives them certain rights. It's actually nothing more than a whine. I find that offensive. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. It has no reason to be respected as a phrase. I'm offended by that. Well, so effing what? Yeah. Look, we've turned yeah. this phrase on its head, haven't we? I've said this loads of times. I understand why... Um, yeah, and actually, I don't understand why there's rugby rugby against racism on, um, on all the sh- on, on all the shirts. I'm pretty happy to say we don't have a racism problem in rugby. I'm I'm fine with saying that actually, but I understand uh, why. Well, more's the point. Wherever it exists, one of the things I'm quite proud of with rugby is it it isn't accepted and, no, isn't it's not yeah. and stewards don't turn a blind eye. Fans in the stand don't turn yep. a blind eye. It's rooted out. It's not. It's not. It's just it's not, not a thing. There. You can't say that there is no racism anywhere at any time because that's it, it exists yeah. across the world. But the, the rugby is a, is a place where you. Ha- I've I've never I've never seen it. Um, but if I have, if 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 it ever has been something been said or seen or whatever, I'm absolutely certain yeah. that that we, is, it's been dealt with appropriately. We have changed the the meaning of the word racism. From something which is der- you know, derogatory, insulting, discriminatory, to when you put a badge on your shirt, which is actually the highest honour. No one calls their sports team something because they want to mock themselves. It's quite the opposite. It's the highest honour. You know, it is literally the opposite of what these people are claiming. Well, so some people would say we don't have the right to, uh, or you don't have the right to, to offer that opinion. Fine, because, they don't have the right you... to eat Chinese food. It's absolute nonsense, and we all know it's nonsense. And, and you know, you listen to a tiny, tiny minority. And the worst part from BT, I mean, BT Sports should be ashamed of themselves. The stuff which they've been propagating recently, you know, on the anti-online uh, hate stuff or the uh, rope against race, uh, uh, racism stuff or just any kind of political thing they can get their hands on. It's an absolute sham organisation from that po- point of view. And they shouldn't have done this on a bloody rugby show. It's an absolute disgrace. They should be talking about rugby, not the latest political fad. And as they even said, we're not, you know, we're not qualified... Uh, we're not qualified to talk about this. You think? No, you're not. Well, I would obviously uh, defend it and say that they were reflecting the story which Wasps brought into the arena, yeah. and had they mm. not covered it, people would have said, oh, this is a, a whitewash, a sham, you need to... No, Yeah, and do you know who would be saying that? The tiny minority who they're pandering to. And they're so cowardly that they don't want to be called some ist or some phobia or something phobic. They went, they went and ruined their rugby programme. You know, you've got... Bath, who suffered a record defeat. You've got big spending Bristol, who have lost uh, God knows how, how many. You've got the resurgence, of, resurgence of, of Leicester Tigers. You've got Saracens ripping up trees. You've got the England squad tomorrow. You've got all this stuff. And this is what you did. You're an, you're an absolute disgrace. Oh, sorry, go on, Phil. I'm just going to say we're, we're risking doing the same because yeah, we've yeah. now spent yeah, yeah, longer yeah. than we ever should have done we, on, well, this say, on, on, on on the On the headdress thing, for example, I, I wouldn't wear one. I would. I, I think it's. I would. No, no, but I, I wouldn't wear one because I because I think that that is it's unacceptable for someone who's not Native American Indian to wear one. Uh, I wouldn't because I think that that it's naff when when you do do it. Well, look like uh, that. The the closest I get to wearing a team shirt, except for talking. Yeah, yeah I was going to say I don't even wear a rugby shirt yeah. to rugby. Is games. my Sail Sharks pin badge as a neutral, as you well know. <laughs> did you have a Sail yeah, Sharks scarf? It's very cold. It's the first scarf, scarf I could find. Now, <laughs> the reason I wouldn't wear I look, I don't, I've never liked the Exeter Chiefs branding, no, truth no, be told. No, But I'm standing 100% behind it because they're not racist and calling Tony Rowe or anyone the worst thing you can call them in society that, is absolutely that, that, is, that is the line I would draw. Yeah, I agree with that because actually I can say, you can 
do I mind if they change the? I don't care if they change their brand. I don't care. I, I, I'm I'm not bothered either way. Um, but you cannot level the worst thing you can say about someone at that rugby club. That that's no. where I draw the line. Uh, otherwise, do I need to return my my Red Wing boots that I bought the other week? Yes, because they are given to me. They are moccasin. Give them to me because otherwise, you know, otherwise you're going to struggle to work work in, in broadcasting with uh, with those boots. So the best thing you can do is give them to me. Mm. Get some trainers. Instead. Get some trainers, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But don't get Nike ones, which are made by children in Brazil. Yeah. Did you see Dogger's trainers? On, he, uh, he has some cool Saturday. trainers, doesn't he? He did have some cool trainers. He can get away with it a bit more yeah. than some. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he is a cool dude. Oh, anyway, that- I'm, I'm fully aware, uh, and, and this is where respectful disagreement is absolutely at the heart of th- this podcast and should be at the heart of any civilised society. People, there will be people listening that, that strongly disagree, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think any less of someone who disagrees with with what you've said, <laughs> and I don't think any less of you if I were to disagree. And that's but, you know, as, I, as it should be. I think I do think le- I think I do think less of them because I think less of anyone who 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 says Tony Rowe is racist. Absolutely. The club is racist. I totally think less of absolutely. people. Absolutely, they that. are cowards. They are absolute cowards. There's there's no other word for it. And they're following some trendy agenda. And just on to the thing about our rugby show compared to BT Sports, we did an hour and five hour and five minutes of rugby content before we did this. Yeah, and we only did it in response to the absolute op, you know abhorrent nature of you know, well, covering the story. I think the BT Sport coverage is is outstanding. And I think, as I say, I, they are reflecting the story which Wasps brought into the arena. And had Wasps not done that. They wouldn't have mentioned it, but you, you've got to understand the point of view of, of a broadcaster, and, and you might, and you could argue, you might say, and you might make the argument that it's that they should, that a newspaper or a, a broadcaster should have the should have the the strength to ignore it, but but yeah. those conversations are really tough to have, and yeah. if you ignore it, then you get you're just going to get hammered from a different angle. Yeah. My view on this is they do it, they speak this uh, woke language as sort of. Signal to each other that they're middle class. It's basically replaced what posh accents used to be. This is, you know, this is what we stand for now. We, you know, we are, we are one of you, um, and you know, it gets them. It makes sure they don't have to address the real issues in rugby because rugby's got loads of issues from grassroots participation to mm. not enough people going to stadium. I mentioned, and then just whitewash it all yeah, by saying, I mentioned yeah, it the other week when I talked about uh, Ardell Carduni. Um, uh, who, by the way, I, I didn't realize, Iranian. Iranian. Yeah. There you go. Thank you for who. For, thank you for the people that, that um, let me know uh, his nationality. But there you go. That, we we brought that up the other week. Uh, that's one thing rugby could focus on solving. Why do we not have anyone from um, Asian or the Indian subcontinent area or Middle East or wh- why do we, why do we have so few uh, people from that background? Well, I, I think playing that, rugby. I think and, we, and how can we reach out to those communities and and share our game with them? Well, I'm pretty sure I know how we don't reach out to our communities, which is by. Um, Using a font on Twickenham, the 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 you know the urban font, because apparently that appeals to uh, people who aren't uh, who aren't middle class, and actually it's just rank uh, rankly patronising. So yeah, look, uh, so is, yeah. But when I say that point, I'm saying there are lots of things we we, we can solve which are on that um, on that inclusion spectrum. Can I talk? And, about- and, and I, w- I would I would love for everyone to to have the ability to play rugby and enjoy what yeah. we love about it. Uh, can I talk about something tangentially linked to this? Okay. Um, but and then we this. will move on, Phil, I promise. Mm. It, is a, it is about <laughs> discipline in rugby and the regulation of rugby and how we're regulating people out of the game. So I was away last week with Phil and the issue of red cards came up. And I didn't realise this. And I should realise this because I actually got banned myself, but I can't remember how long I got banned for. Was it was one match ban or... But I just swallowed it and said, yeah, fine. And also... I think there was a fine attached to it. 
But I don't think I paid my fine. I think mm. I think the club paid it. I don't know. But one of the guys I was, I was talking to, 30, what were we, 36? 30, yeah, probably because the, the age group we were with. He fell, He falls through, through a ruck, headbutts someone. Uh, head, doesn't headbutt someone, but makes head contact with someone. Um, and he explains that he fell through a ruck, and that's it. Anyway, he gets a red card. Uh, first red card he's ever had, according to him. He gets an 80 quid fine. And at that point, he goes, no, I'm not paying it. Not only am I not paying it, you've ruined my weekend. I can't play with my mates for the next three, three, three weekends. I'm not doing it. And I think he's got a point. I think we need to have a look at this discipline because we're begging players to come back. Then you fall through a ruck and they charge, charge you 80 quid. Who mentioned that? Or where was he playing? You don't need to say who. Uh, it not... was a club in Leeds. Okay. Uh, and he's a prop. Yeah. And he went to university with you, Phil. Club in Leeds? You're playing a club in not a club in uh, Edinburgh? No, Leeds. Okay. No, Leeds. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. Is... Like, if I came back for third team or something, I fell through a record and someone tried to charge me uh, 80 quid or say I couldn't play next, next week, I'd just say, no, I'm not going to play at all. So, yeah. I'll I, see I know, you later. And this ties in almost with something we said more broadly, which I know intent isn't part of the decision-making matrix for decisions, but I do think it's relevant. So I absolutely think intent <laughs> is relevant. So it is... It, they try as much as possible to keep it out of the on-field decision-making. It is considered in yeah. the off-field decision-making and determining bans and all the rest of it, it definitely is considered. But it's only... And I, I think you have to keep it away from the off-field decision. Uh, well, I think the pro game, they probably have the right criteria. And I can't, only Not because I think it's right, it's because I can't think of a better one. I can't right. think of one. But, but if, if amateur games, certainly. If you, sw- if you swing a... A punch, or you, right. you blind. Like, like, I've got no sympathy. Yeah, like okay, yeah, yeah. you don't want to take that fine and, and, and mine, well jog on. See mine wasn't a punch, only because I fell over though on the way. <laughs> you tried uh, to punch someone. I would have punched someone probably, but I fell on, fell over on the way. So you know, it is what it is. Well, that, that's even worse in my book. Yeah, like I'd, I'd say, um, attempted murder should get an even harsher. <laughs> if you if you're not good enough to execute through with your plans, life sentence for the murder and then an extra ten for being incompetent. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we shouldn't shouldn't reward incompetence. Um, Bristol, or, or rather rather Newcastle. But before we talk about Bristol, I think we've got an email somewhere, haven't, uh, uh, haven't we? Someone uh, taking me to task. About? Bristol. About <laughs> Bristol. From Ed. Oh, Ed Whittaker bear baiting. Oh, is he's the... not happy as our Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, guys. First time. I'm a long-time listener and genuinely enjoy the content. Oh, sorry. I move on from all that. Uh, maybe I'm an oversensitive fan, but I feel like there's been quite a lot of inconsistent opinions regarding the bears. Salary distribution. Um is the problem that our two marquee players are too good and the divide is too far? Take them out, assuming it's Sir Charles and Semi, and I think the distribution is actually pretty good. Lua Tua, our captain, deservedly on very good money, and the internationals brought in Sinclair and Hughes will be on the mar- will be on the market rate for England players. For the neutrals, let's compare sale. Top end, huge money on Faf and Lude. Good money on long-standing foreign captain Ross. And England money on Manu. The makeup of most teams, bar Saris, is pretty similar. Mm. We also get criticised on the pod for sticking with the Bristol way when other clubs get praised for having an identity and sticking to it. Exeter, Saris, Leicester, Quinns. What's the difference? Also, we're widely derided for giving Lamb a long-term contract, but I also don't see that being vastly different to other clubs. Mark McCall and Rob Baxter have seemingly been in position for decades, and what choice do we have? Not give him a long contract and lose him to international rugby? I appreciate we are not currently playing well, but you can't write off the players and the coaches that were getting lauded four months ago. 
We've sold 10,000 season tickets and the rebrand has worked with hats and bears stash seen all over the city for the first time in my memory. If the choice is life under lamb or going back to Robinson slash Holly, then I'm happy with what we have. That said, I've every faith that Pat and the squad will develop and we will challenge again. It's worth mentioning when talking about Bristol squad that we've been royally shafted by the academy catchment areas. It's basically been the city of Bristol with neighbouring Bath, Gloucester and Exeter having vast, vast geographical catchments. And this has been slightly improved recently, but we won't see the effect of that for years. Good email, Ed. Fair points. Mm. All well, fair He does say, keep up the good work. Give us a shout when you're next in Bristol. I'd love to grab a beer with you. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a chance. Which I'd love to, Ed. 100% would love to. Definitely. Negronis. Well, okay, so I think they're all fairly fairly good points, actually. Uh, I I do not think that the bottom end of the Bristol squad is very good. Uh, It's not not very (sighs) good. They just seem to they seem to require their match their match winners for, for everything to click. I, I'm mixed on the bottom end because there's some there's some guys that they've brought in over the last few years um, who have performed so well. Guys like say Dan Thomas or Henry Purdy for, is a great example. I think Henry Purdy since he's been there. Who's has the been who's the hooker? Class. Who's yeah. the hooker? Oh, um, Brian Byrne, Thacker, Will Capon, uh, for example, Kerr. another one. So yeah. well, what I'm saying, the things you were talking about uh, wasps and praising them for earlier, actually is what we were saying about Bristol a year and a half ago. Except for you know, except for wasps. When Ed Joyce, when Ed Joyce was rampaging around, and sorry, Joe, Ed Joy, Joe Joy, Joe Joyce, and Joe Ed Joyce, uh, yeah. yeah, Joe Joyce and Will Capon were rampaging around, and and guys like that, and um, Dan Thomas. I think that's fair, right? But I don't think it's wasps that Bristol should be comparing themselves to. Bristol needs to be comparing themselves to Exeter, Saracens, Sale. Now, I, I couldn't have praised wasps any more highly on their playing side. But they do the best with what they've got. It looks like Bristol are sort of trying to em- trying to emulate that to some some degree. Where I think they should be a lot better, a lot better for the amount of money that they spend, for the size of the stadium, for all the good things. Did you that see the doing. fifteen at the weekend though? It wasn't good. Yeah, you say for all the money you spend, money was not on the pitch. There, there was virtually I, no money yeah, on the pitch in this but game. That's kind of the problem, is it? Isn't it? it, it, it I, so Nathan Hughes on England money. That's not true. Oh yeah, he. That's not an England player. So no, so that and there's there's lots of clubs where you've had very expensive players that are not performing to the level you'd expect. Yeah. Nathan Hughes is a prime example, and he is he's he will not be a marquee player. He can't be a marquee player because he came from another Premiership club. And rumored reports on his salary means he alone is one twelfth of the entire salary cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so, he, he, but he, if he's playing well is the best of both because he's an England standard player when he's playing well. Yep. He he's a captain international, but he's not in the England squad. So if he's playing well, that What's may, what, what's one twelfth expressed as a percentage, Phil? Uh about like eight, eight and a half. Okay, yeah. so that so you've got an eight and a half percent swing if he's not there and not can't even justify his place in the team, you lose it. If you gain him, he's disproportionately more effective than that eight and a half percent. Yeah, uh, I, I it's a huge yeah. hole. Just him alone is a massive hole in that Bristol yeah. side. And by the way, it's not that other clubs have not made bad signings in the past. They have. Mm-hmm. I just think the state of the Premiership at the moment, a bad signing is you far, far more harshly punished. Yeah, and a bad signing on totally agree. A bad signing on 120k is one thing. Yeah. A bad signing on 500k, or certainly someone who is not pulling their weight on 100 on 500k. Yeah, so, it's tough. Yeah, so we have just got yeah and. When you are in that building, so I don't think there's a big as big a gap 
between the lowest paid guy in, mind you lowest paid guy in the sales squad this week is probably going to be Raffi or Tom Curtis who kicked, Tom, yeah kicked, Tom Curtis the winning, winning pen and the, probably the highest yeah. paid is going to be maybe Manu but he's I don't think he's a marquee I mean if, Faf, if Faf, Manu can't be a marquee yes that's a good point he can't can he so it can't be him so say for instance if it's Faf Faf would be a marquee Faf yeah. passing the ball to Tom Curtis might be uh, a bit odd <laughs> but you know that, I guess, that, you know, guess Faf, that's Faf on Twenty times what Tom Curtis is on? Yeah, I'd say so. I would guess that. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be roughly. Well, it's like me and Chris Evans at Virgin Radio. What you get paid twenty times more than Chris Evans? <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this. That's incredible. <laughs> so your collection of Ferraris. Or we'd be doing Mike. the pod on our, on my yeah. super yacht. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I I think I think one of the points about Bristol is, and this this is a point that they've made, Pat Lammers made, and the players have made. And over time, last season certainly, it kind of came true. When they had bad results last season, they said, no, trust the process, things will go against us, we'll get back on track. And I kind of flippantly said it last week that perhaps they are regressing to their mean and that the true mean is, well, actually terrible and they just yeah. the aberration was, was finishing top of the league and, and making the playoffs. Um, but that wasn't the aberration because they won the Challenge Cup. Yeah, and I, I don't actually think it is. I, I think they are. I think they're a good team. I think the team that they got out this weekend is is by everyone's standard not a good team because there is yeah. so if you just if you just looked at the salaries possibly, of the guys on yeah, the pitch possibly that, would have lost against anyone bar Worcester anyone bar Worcester this weekend yeah and maybe maybe even lost against Worcester but maybe not um, I I think I, I think there are, there are definitely now question marks over Pat Lamb. But I think they've got enough talent and enough squad to be to rectify things across what is a long season. And I think they will they will come good. Whether they will make top four this season, I th- I think it is already slipping away from them. That and that that is a problem. That is a problem after doing it last year and the quality and, and talent they undoubtedly have right across the squad. That is a difficult position yeah. to be in. So just on the top four, I think they're still in contention because everybody is slipping up. And even someone as good as Leicester at the moment, who are unbeaten, I still don't think that they are... They've got the best start of any Leicester team ever, I think. Five from five, three bonus points, yeah. 23 points. I, it's What they're doing at the moment is mega, but I still don't believe that they are a top-class team. I think they are, they are fallible. I think, he's done, I think they've done a great job. I think they're all fallible. And I think you see that in the, in the scores, the fact that Extra have lost, the fact that Saracens have even lost. Have a Saracens? Yes, they have Saracens lost. Yeah, they lost, Saracens to, lost to Leicester. To Leicester. Everyone has lost, so... They are kind of lucky in that respect because you don't have to be catching three teams that are unbeaten, for instance, or three mega teams. The problem is, of course, you've got other peer clubs around you who are now in the same position and they want and they want to advance. I think Bristol can still make top four. Um, style of play, that is a little bit more concerning to me because they prioritise different things to other clubs. I don't think that Saracens and Exeter, I know that Leicester don't, they don't prioritise, first and foremost, their attack. Pat Lamb does prioritise his attack, and he said it on record. He said, I know when my team's playing well because the defence will catch up with the attack, i.e. we'll start conceding less tries. Whereas everyone else kind of does it the other way around. Let's get the defence rock solid, and then we'll build up on um, uh, on our attack. So I well, would worry about that. I'd love, to, I'd love to know what the... I can't think what the timescale was when Pat Lamb had his little thing on the touchline at Leicester. It was towards the end of last season. It yeah. was about... Let's say April yeah, time. It was, it was it was two we, games out from playoffs. Yeah, season. yeah, two or three games out from playoffs. Was yeah. it bef- was it be- was it after the Challenge Cup win? 
No, I think oh. it was before oh, that. Okay, because if it had been immediately after the Challenge Cup win, you could almost argue that it was. Yeah, that, well, that, that was a sliding doors yeah. moment. Now here is the other thing, and I, you know, got to be careful what I say here, but I'll, you know, I'll give you as much as I can. If you sign for a coach, say if you sign for Cockrell, you know exactly what you get from Cockrell, don't you? He's going to be hard. He's going to tell you exactly how it is. It's going to be a tough old time, and you know, you better be ready for it. If you sign for, uh, I don't know, um, Alex Anderson, yes, he's a tough taskmaster and all the rest of it, but there's always no brotherhood stuff and all the psychology you, stuff. You know you're going to be judged on work rate. Yeah, so Samson's not... An effort. Yeah, Samson's not a great example there, but I'm just trying to think of different... Uh, so Chris styles. Boyd, like, he, you will... You know, if you go and sign for Chris Boyd, you might do so because you want to develop... Your, yeah. your, your your skills. Yeah. So if you sign for Chris Boyd and you want to develop your skills, and actually it turns out Chris Boyd does nothing but do captain's runs with his first 15 because, you know, he just wants to win that battle. And this actually happened in Worcester a few years ago. Uh, all the fringe players were not particularly happy because all they wanted to do is put out the strongest 15 they could every every game to try and win to try and win something because relegation was a thing. And, it, yeah, you know, the net result was... Um, Everyone else is really, really annoyed. So with Pat Lamb, if he's writing love on the changing room wall, but actually it turns out that he's a little bit more controlling and a little bit more um, authoritarian, say, than you thought when he signed, then, you know, that's that's a problem. I don't think people mind playing for Steve Diamond. I don't think they mind playing for Stuart Hooper. But I, d- I don't think they would like playing for Stuart Hooper if it turned out he was more like Richard Cockrell. And I think that is a problem. And I think that- at the moment there's a lot of pressure on... Uh, on Bristol internally. I don't think it's a nice place place for the players to be. So I definitely agree with that point. Whether it's applicable to Pat Lamb or not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the the authenticity point, you can be whatever you want to be, but be authentic. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're inauthentic, people find out. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, I was wrong. Um, Bristol's. I, I was thinking that Bristol's uh, Challenge Cup win was this the preceding season. It's actually the season before because it was October. Oh Last yeah, year, of October 2020. Did so, we watch, watch it in Bath? Did we watch it in Bath? I mean, we watched the semi-final semi, in Bath um, against Dragons. Uh, no, was the semi-final? Against so, French? so could that could so, that bust up on the touchline have that, been a moment where I've got to say that's a that's a point where I started having questions wow. about Pat Lamb. Yeah, and it was so it was round 21. Yeah. So it was, wow. it was the week before the last the last round, and then two weeks before the um, the Harlequins defeat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, that's why I've got questions about him because, um, you know, they just he, easiest thing in the world was to say, yeah, I treated Ian Tempest wrong, but instead yeah. he said, oh, there, there'll be an RFU inquiry; it'll all come out in the wash. You'll see. I'm right. What is there to know? What are the extenuating circumstances that we need to know? We know, uh, you know, and I, I just had question questions about him then, but you, know, you just hear whispers that it's not a particularly nice, nice place to be. Now this is pure rumor. So you would have to. Uh, I, I would just say that uh, the salary cap environment is providing an amazing Premiership. It also, um, it, it, the one thing that anyone in charge of a team needs is very delicate man management skills yeah. because you are managing groups of players who might feel, particularly the guys who need to come in and perform, will feel under pressure because they don't know that they're more insecure about their future mm-hmm. than they have been at any time in their career, um, and you can understand envy when you might have, and particularly a lot of players, Bristol weren't one of those clubs, but a lot of clubs had 25% pay cuts. Yeah. Ironically, it might be the 25% pay cut, which is making everything so competitive because everyone can afford the salary cap now. Mm. Like, no, oh, but I mean, but I mean uh, there's some clubs who didn't yes. enforce it, but yeah. But you, you, there's players whose 
Things, no, aren't, things aren't looking as rosy for, for players as they, yeah. as they were. So they did enforce it and they didn't in a way. Yeah. Because they re-signed deals. They re-signed deals, or, yeah. yeah. Or, Only 75% of those deals counted. Or, at, or they had to cut them for the, the, when the salary cap was reduced. Well, no, no, because they grandfathered them in, right? Yeah. So the players never had to take a pay cut. So if you, you, you said, right, everyone's on 25% pay cut. I went, no, I'm not doing it. Now, you could get fired, like Manu Tuolangi was, or you took the 25% pay cut, or they back down and say, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll keep you. And then that salary cap number which you had will be reduced by 25% and grandfathered into, into the new salary cap. So not everybody t- took a cap hit. Here's where it gets really tricky, though. If you were smart, the day the premiership said, shit, uh, everyone needs to take a 25% pay cut or all go, go bankrupt, if you knew you could afford it, you got everybody to take a pay cut immediately and then that new f- figure was ba- was grandfathered in at 25% less, less than the new figure so you gave you 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 dropped everyone down by 10% say and then give yourself 20 25% so, under the head exactly so essentially bristol have stitched themselves up a little bit by not by not by being great employers well they were spending more so the way you would do it hypothetically right is you would trade off years on a contract for a little less money so if you're going to be smart about it, you would say the salary cap's dropping by 25%, lads. Everybody is going to get a 25% pay cut. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a 10% pay cut right now, but you'll trade that for th- two extra years on, 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 on your contract. We'll extend you all. Yeah, okay, because all players want an extension. So they get all get an extension. You get your 10% drop, but then that's grandfathered in at 25% less. Boom. We're in business. Yeah, but, but that, in theory, keeps everyone happy. Until four years down the road, when yeah, yeah, when you can't afford to keep the yeah. players because you're you can't then grandfather them in again. You you have no. to you have to or, you have to then drop them. Or they're not good enough. Yeah, yeah, and lots of things happen, and people will leave anyway, yeah. and people get but injured. Here's, and, here's the thing: if you've got your whole squad now on extended contracts, um, it, great a test case for the argument for contractual stability. Just by accident. What happens to a team which you just keep together for five years and, and come what may? But there's a balance there between, it's a trade-off between if you've got a four-year deal, not every single player is going to be training as hard. Some some will always train a hard, if you give them a 20-year deal, they'll be training as hard. Yeah. Some people who've got a four-year deal, they'll be thinking about retirement, they'll be easing yeah. back, they're the not only, as hungry. And the only person I would ever take advice from on uh, on, on contract matters me. in Rugby Union, it's me. aside from you, JB, yeah. would be Chris Ashton, because that guy's just like <laughs> the Midas touch. Exactly. He signed for Worcester just before lockdown and everything kicked in, just before COVID. <laughs> Good luck. The man, his timing's incredible. Isn't is it he, just... Is he still at Worcester? Yeah. But just not playing. He doesn't need to, does he? He's got a long-term contract. <laughs> long to, a big long-term contract. Yeah, I don't know what his contract is, but he'll do all right out of it. Yeah, no doubt. <coughs> we haven't mentioned... Um, We've not mentioned Friday night. Friday yeah. night, yeah. Astonishing. Broughton Parks, Raffy Quirk... Dominating in front of Eddie Jones, amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's, so I thought Harlequins would win this, so it's kind of bittersweet. Um, I, one of the things I thought is that Danny Care, I have seen Danny Care take Fafter Clerk's lunch money, and he did it easily. Actually, mm-hmm. he absolutely mugged him off da- down at the stoop about two two years ago. And I kind of think, well, that guy's the top Premiership try scorer outside of the back three. He's absolutely incredible. He's a Premiership champion. He's a two-time champion. He's got fifty odd caps. Yeah, more. I think he can take this plucky kid. No problem. Incorrect. Uh, 
Rafi was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think class. if Sale had slightly better hands, they probably would have run away with this, actually. The way that they dealt with the majority of the Harlequins attacks, I thought was very, very good. Yeah, the Dupree boys can monster people, but can Yeah. A bit of catching practice. Yeah, a lot of catching practice. <laughs> a bit of offloading practice for the Dupree boys again. Yeah, they, um, they're good at what they do, aren't they? They're very, <laughs> very, good at what, very effective at what they do. Yeah. Well, you, I think the point that um, you've made there, JB, about the, the way that Sale shut down Quinns, and I don't mean, I think I've I've read it a couple of times, almost like a lazy, oh, Sale beat them up up front, therefore. Yeah. Um, Marcus Smith had no time, he was getting back football. Which isn't that, true, actually. Yeah, I don't think, so Sale obviously scored, um, uh, they scored the John O'Ross pushover try, and they had some good, good they made some good ground from the, um, from driving malls. But generally, the upfront battle was, it was at least close to even for the majority yeah, of the game. Agreed. The bit that I was really impressed with the Sale team was their defensive read of the back line and shutting down Marcus Smith. But not only Marcus Smith, they were shutting down the options outside Marcus Smith for most of the mm. game. And the two men that I think probably probably deserve most of the credit would be Sam James and Byron, Byron McGu- McGuigan, I was going to say. McGuigan, when, when he was on the open Friend side. Friend of the pod, was awesome. There was a few times where he read, Marcus Smith had the out, the out the back ball and he jumped the line to take the the option of the out the back ball totally out of the game. And Marcus Smith then, he, his only option was either a long pass or kick. But because he's under total pressure, because Manu or a Curry or a Dupree is charging him down, He's not got enough time to execute. I thought that was the biggest part of Sale, yeah. that so defensive shape. so hard. He's awesome, isn't he? And he does that a lot. So if you look at the amount of interception tries that he's scored, it's right up there because he's always making the... Do you know who he defends a lot like Chris, a lot like Chris Harris? Chris Harris yeah. is always making reads that you shouldn't be making or in places that you shouldn't be. But then you realise, actually, he's, God, he's really there. good. Scott, how does Scotland def- develop these these players? <laughs> it's weird, <laughs> isn't it? They must have one hell of a, hell of a system. I'll tell you what, well, they do, clearly, because uh, Edinburgh um, beat uh, one of the South African teams this weekend. And I, I saw I saw a little bit of it. And uh, the two Scottish props, Schumann and Nell, oh, absolutely oh. destroyed the South Africans. Incredible stuff. So just... Just goes to show people t- think South Africans, South Africa is this big scrummaging nation. Scotland's where it's at. Schumann and Nell, awesome. <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, so yeah, I, Joe. I think what is interesting about this game is uh, Sale turned it turned it away from individual battles. I don't think many individuals at Sale had a particularly great game. I thought the team played well. Yeah, but you didn't see like uh, you know, oh man, who's going to dominate? No, just, Tom Curry did lots of Tom Curry things. And so I, I, I'd be frightened. I'd be legit frightened if I had to stand opposite him when he just snarling. Yeah, he runs so angrily. So I can't I love it. I can't really, I can't really tell you much about this game because it's the first game that I went to at the AJ Bell as a fan. Of the game. Of the game, of yeah. Of the game in general. <laughs> of Marcus Smith. Yeah, so I went actually with... Uh, with some, your neutral pin. With my neutral pin in. And uh, scarf. Scarf. Um, I, went, I went with Harlequins fan and uh, my friend from Talk H. Uh, and I had I had a few beers. So I, I didn't watch it with as keen an eye as usually I, usually I would. But I didn't think... Not up in the gantry with AJ this time. No, no. Things have changed around there now. Um, so I didn't notice Tom Curry doing... Tom Curry things. No, he was so, so he played well. He did. There was two stupid penalties oh, they yeah, gave away. Right, early, right. I think early in the second half, maybe after about forty-five to fifty-five minutes, there was two 
repeated they're both in a very narrow window but besides that he was the shape that guy is in is it is terrifying isn't it <laughs> yeah terrifying. so and I, but on to counter that I also didn't think Don Brandt was particularly effective and Marcus Smith was quiet no someone did, get, someone did get in touch with us and say um, can, on the pod can you just put an appeal out for Alex Don Brandt last seen at 7.45 in Manchester yeah don't well, know where he went very I, I think I think it's right, very few players stood out in yeah. this game it was yeah. For, who, who stood out? John Ross getting another yellow card that, that makes him stand Standard. out. But it's it's just normal. Um, Other than that, no, not. And I think even like Tom Curtis, who obviously slotted the winning goal, he had three shots to win the game. He had three kicks and missed two and, and, and slotted right. one. Yeah, if if AJ was playing for Sale, that Quinns wouldn't have got a losing bonus. No, no, that no. game would have been Tom done. Did Tom Curtis miss miss a kick? He missed two. He missed a couple. He missed, mm, but he got one. Wasn't that Wilkinson that missed the kicks? No. no. Really? Well, Wilkinson last, did miss kicks as well. Yeah, the, so as well. The, in the last ten minutes, he had th- Tom Curtis had three kicks at goal. What, he slotted the middle one, missed the other two. Sale have got a fascinating battle for the backup backup fly half. Third <laughs> choice <laughs> like, fly half. Yeah. So here's a question for you, Andy Good. Andy Good. Andy Good. Great bloke. T- tweeted at Tom Curtis saying all those days spent pa- spent practicing at, um, at at Worcester really paid off. Why would he say that to Tom Curtis? Did he, Andy Goode, took him under his wing? Come on, think about it. Do you know why? Why would Tom Curtis as a kid be practising at Worcester? Curtis. And bearing in mind, what he's not even 20 yet, right? So when did Goody play at Worcester? Okay, I'm trying uh, to think, whose surname was Curtis? Seven years, six, seven years ago. Curtis. Curtis, I think, is either the stepson. Um, yeah, I think he's a stepson of, one, Dean Schofield. So oh, Dean Schofield okay. was playing that down there. Obviously, Tom Curtis must have been pra- must have been pra- practicing his kicking. Okay. So I thought that was quite quite a nice little message from Goody. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, Tom Curtis, I know, said that, said this last week is apparently a phenomenal kicker. I didn't know, notice that he missed some early kicks. Well, it was he, the he end was of the game. On, he was only on for the last ten were, minutes. Yeah. yeah, I saw the bit when he came on, but I didn't see him missing. He, he missed he the missed, kick. Then oh, got, he missed the final. Then it was the conversion when the game yeah. was already won anyway. Ah. So he had one kick. It was a tough kick, to be fair, from quite a way out. It was a penalty that he missed. Then he had a similar kick that he slotted, and then he had the conversion. I do missed. get very excited about seeing these young kids. I, I get more excited about seeing them coming through than when get I the kids read. In. Yeah, <laughs> then when I read like, oh, Manu's playing, oh, big deal. It's good like, seeing Denny playing as, again, and like he had some tough old tough old times there, but he looked good. Yeah, it is good. I mean, yeah, he's. He's coming along nicely. And I like the way Sanderson does stuff, you know. I like the way he sort of, you know, it's time for Denny to come back into the squad now. So I'm going to build him up for the next two weeks. I'm going to tell everyone the proudest moment we've had as a coach is getting him back and re- back and ready. He's been awesome. Because I don't know if he means it or not. I, I'm not saying he's disingenuous. I'm just saying if I was Denny, I'd be feeling, well, he's already over six foot tall but I'd be feeling very very tall g- going onto that field because I know that my coach has been talking me up and backing me and all mm-hmm. the rest of it uh, I think it's a bit so back to the thing I said all the way at the start of the podcast about coaches looking for the extra 10% the other bit I didn't say about that is it doesn't really matter what that extra 10% is as long as everyone else buy- buys into it it can be total nonsense kind of like saviour world um, <laughs> <laughs> but if they're buying into it it's not nonsense is it it's good, good well, for- well yeah it can be p- Placebo. It could be sugar pills, but if you if you buy it, if exactly. it makes it, yeah, and yeah, it is great to see De- to see Denny back actually. Because I, to be honest, I wasn't sure we were going to see him back. 
I just wasn't sure. I was thinking that maybe Sailor passed him by, but no, there he is. Mm. Will Rafi Quote be in the England squad when Eddie Jones names it? I, I yeah. Think, I think it's hard for him to be left out after the last few weeks. England's been uh, crying but, out for a, a new scrum half. Little Harry Randall looked good. He, he did. That, that, By the way, that I called him Little Harry Randall because um, I listened to Eddie Stevens who always refers to him as Little Harry Randall. Eddie Stevens? Eddie Stevens. Eddie Stevens. Mm. Rugby Rantabanta. Oh, yes. sorry. Do you know who I was thinking of then? Oh, Steve- Eddie and Steve-O. Eddie and Steve-O. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Eddie Why are they talking about Harry Randall? Where can I find this audio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George Merrick sold out Cawthorns big time, time time this week. Do, do, do you see it when Harry Randall scooted around, scooted on the inside of uh, Fernsey? It wasn't Fernsey's fault. It, it, it was it, absolutely George it Merrick. It would never have been Fernsey's fault. I'm yeah. going to write a letter to have George Merrick removed from that squad. <laughs> <laughs> mess, mess around with someone else's career, pal. That was awesome by Randall. Yeah, 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 but it was. He's pretty the, quick. The, the bright spark in an otherwise pretty dull dull game. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I can't... The, so, have you noticed that Rafi does this thing where he sort of pushes the ball... Hold on, Broughton Park's Rafi, Rafi Quirk. Broughton Park's uh, Rafi Quirk, yeah. Uh, well, North Manchester's Rafi Quirk, if you... you know. Broughton Park's Rafi Quirk. Oh, South Manchester. South, South Manchester, Manchester, yeah. Manchester, yeah. Bro- Broughton Park's Rafi Quirk will do. So, have you noticed he pushes the ball into the floor first? Does he? Have you not noticed this? No. When he passes, yes, pushes so down. Really, yeah, so he runs to the breakdown. I know some scrum offs just sweep it from the floor as soon as I get there. He doesn't. He sort of gets it and he forces the ball into the floor and then he moves it. Like, it's just an instantaneous thing. You've got to watch it, but he, he does. Mm. And I'm like, why does he do that? And I found out the reason that he does that. So I'm, 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 um, let, let Phil guess first. Go on. <laughs> Me guess. Um, is it something to do with the law change where it's... It is to do with the law, yes. But um, not law change. Well, I was going to think, say the law change where previously hands-on were out, whereas a few years ago... Daylight. Yeah, which is a very sensible, very simple, very good change. That was always one of the questions you'd ask the ref before a game. Sir, sir, when's the ball out? Hands-on or up? Yeah, yeah. Day- yeah. You'll know. You'll, yeah. Yeah, You'll know, I'll tell you when you... Yeah. You'd hear people, hands-on, sir, hands-on! <laughs> Taking the, <laughs> the nines like two metres away from the rook, taken out by a back row. Hands-on! Hands-on. That's exactly right. So he does it. Because you can't dummy from the back. But if you get your hands on it and push down... Push down. There's a chance that you draw them offside. Okay. So he changes his timing of when he throws... Dan Robson does something in his own way as well, who hopefully he's in the England squad as well. Um, Dan Robson does a look around the corner. Before he's about to do a box kick, he does a little movement which could be construed as a dummy. Uh, Makes it look like he's just looking. But the number of times he makes the... Offside, offside, offside! Jump, yeah. So that, yeah, because I raised I raised this with my mystery friend that I talked talked talk to about rugby because I know exactly why he does that. Mm. It's to draw the op, the opposition offside. But I think it's quite. I don't know if I'd do it every time, but he does it every yeah. time. It's like a learned behaviour. But no, he's just trying to draw the guys offside because he can't lift it and dummy it. I will watch out for that. Yeah, but yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he's not in the England squad. But then the oh. England nine choices over the past few years have consistently surprised me namely the fact that Ben Young's has always remember, had his remember place remember when Maunder was in yeah, yeah. Ma- Maunder was in and Townsend was in one and squad Townsend was in one squad at yeah. one point I like Maunder Willie Hines has been uh, Willie Hines like, I like Willie Hines yeah uh, Ben Spencer but then Owen Farrell hates him uh, Owen Farrell must loathe him um, uh, who else Robson's been in and out Care's been in and out of Randall, Randall played in the summer. Wigglesworth a couple of years ago yeah. got a call call back. It is interesting, isn't it, that on Friday night we, you basically saw the future of, Eng- of English rugby, albeit on opposite teams. Uh, Quirk to 
Smith, Smith. is kind of delicious. Mm. Bit lightweight. But I mean, I don't know what you expect from halfbacks, but it is a bit lightweight. Yeah, but if you've got a back row that includes at least one curry boy, that's true. And Underhill, and you've got someone like Laws and Big Itoji, will take care of him. Yeah, and in a few years' time, Ted Hill and George Martin. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be all right. They'll be fine. I just, I'm always twelve though. I'm always astonished though because they're so young. Like there was a time when Rafi had his hands on the ball and the referee had blown his whistle or whatever, and you just got these two absolute giants from Harlequins. I don't know which ones they were. They're trying to rough him up and get the ball off him. I'm like, he's 19. I would be terrified. <laughs> yes. the, the, what I'm impressed by is the depth of him. Yeah, he's he's well developed. He's, he's a little tank, he's, isn't he? He's a little tank of a man. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you, who is like that as well? I mean, he does look small, and he is small. And I, and I do like. We, and fair play, you have been talking him up for literally years. Yeah. Who? Uh, Broughton Park's Rafi Quirk. Rafi, yeah. Well, the the guy who is similar to that, and he's very small, and he's still very small, and he's small, even now he's, what, 22, is Kieran Wilkinson. He was my first ever interview, I think, um, at, down, down, down at Sale Sharks. Him and Aaron Reid, when they were just, like, literally doing... They, they were literally the only guys available. Um, and they were about 17. And, and you just every, every time I see him, he's just a little bit... A little bigger, a little, a little bit bigger. Not Tom Collins bigger, though. Not Tom Collins bigger. And you ask him, like, <laughs> oh, you're looking good, Miggers. Yeah, the armour. He's still tiny. He's still <laughs> absolutely tiny, but he thinks it's armour, so good for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was very worried, I've got to say. R- Rafi was excellent. He, he proved me wrong. But Rafi on care, you know, just based on that, you'd, you know, you'd think care. And then Smith versus Wilkinson, you think it's Smith all day long. Yeah. Just shows, just shows, isn't it? Team, team game. Doesn't yeah. Absolutely, and Smith Smith was put under a lot of pressure, and he didn't have his best game. Yeah. I didn't see any London Irish stop letting me down like that. Irish, come Pathetic, on, Pathetic, isn't it? Um, but uh, in the Rainbow Cup, whatever it is, UFC, U- UFC, did they, UFC, did they that, play? Did they? Yeah, it, it's still the three Irish provinces at the top. Unbe- isn't it? All three unbeaten. Then, then the, Os- Scot- then the Scottish ones in. with Ospreys <laughs> in there. Glasgow are up there. Glasgow and Edinburgh are up there. You've got a South African team up there. Uh, somewhere the, I'm, I'm just just looking half. now just got it up uh, Stormers Benetton uh, two from uh, oh, okay. two from four they've lost against uh, Ospreys and Ulster but Ulster who are currently top because they, they keep sneaking they just sneak out bonus points every single time they're scoring like four tries a game just efficient um, another four try win against the Lions this week not amazing uh, scored one of the easiest set piece tries off a line out You'll ever see. You'll like it, JB. Oh, excellent! Little um, pop to the the first. My first lifter, loose head prop, Warwick, and he just pops inside to Timoney, who's uh, acting scrum half, and it was just one, two, and he just flops over. Too easy. So easy. Um, but one of the big things for Ulster, maybe Fryland, perhaps not so much, but Will Addison, bad another injury, ankle oh, no. injury again. It look and it. I think it was in that, yeah. It doesn't, Some guys doesn't just look great. have no luck. Yeah, he, play, he plays too hard. I mean, he plays too hard, and he's unlucky. Yeah, so. I think that's. I think everyone gets unlucky to an extent, but he sometimes needs to take a little bit off. Yeah, his, agreed. His game because he's such a good player. Uh, so some other news. Talk, talk H one again. So, so ding ding, unbeaten in five. Nice. Yeah, um, like the Leicester Tigers. I'll, of the I'll say. I, I today I saw an under fourteens. Team, one of the best under 14s teams I've seen filed were oh my goodness, oh. they've got some serious players. There's a couple there. Always. Went, there's a couple there. I went, 
filed first team in five years. Yeah. So on the 18th... Well, sale first team, and some of them might oh, be going yeah. to. Exactly. Well, so on the oh, 18th... God, you talk about a big catchment area. Sale have got... Leeds. <laughs> yeah. They've got Leeds, <laughs> Blackpool, Liverpool, Manchester. Sale is a bloody yeah. good team at the moment. I mean, regional rugby-wise. Have you been following the... Uh, the travels of Blackburn. <laughs> I haven't. You mentioned this a few weeks Good ago. Good God. Uh, yeah, there was a, a video of them scrummaging going on the, the other week against Vale of Loon, who were no mugs. And they absolutely destroyed them. And I've heard quite a few reports. I've not seen, I've not played against Blackburn. Is, is Nick Flynn playing for Blackburn now then? <laughs> no, Nick <laughs> no. Flynn r- ran, ran a marathon. 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 Manchester Marathon. Like marathon, man. Yeah. What? He looks. Um, yeah. but, but for anyone, Nick Flynn is a, a former teammate of both Phil and myself. Me with Manchester, Phil with Sedgley Park. He's basically played for every club in within twenty miles of here. Yeah, who will pay? Who who, who will pay? <laughs> and he's worth the money, <laughs> and he's absolutely <laughs> yeah. worth the money as a tight prop. Hundred percent. And as a tight prop, he's he's set me up for a few tries as well. So got a fair yeah, few he's assists. Got a great hands. Lovely Nick hands. Flynn, and I said this to the man himself when I went to Exeter. Nick Flynn is a northwest version of the Alan Paver test. So yeah. my test, do you really know about rugby, is do you know who Alan Paver is? Yeah. And if else says, oh, Alan Paver, re- uh, re- uh, record Luke, Luke Cornish Pirates played hundreds of games. Yeah. If you know who Alan Paver is, we can proceed with this conversation. If, if not, <laughs> uh, same with Northwest, right? Northwest, if you don't know Nick Flynn, you don't know Northwest rugby. If you don't know Flynn, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So um, I don't, why didn't Nick Flynn come into the conversation? Uh, oh, oh, Blackburn. Blackburn. Yeah, yeah, Black- you were saying they were, they were dominant in scrummaging. I was like, oh, yeah. Nick Flynn's obviously got a new club. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but I've heard the whole team is massive. And I don't know what happened there because I don't remember them particularly good when I went to play them. But anyway, there, there was that. So on the 18th of December, it depends how things break, uh, how things fall. But there's two games going on. And I'm hoping that my game against Widnes, which will probably be our biggest game of the season because Widnes are very good. Mm. So be, as things stand, it'll be one and two, but we, you, know, you don't know until 18th of December how the legal look. But also, it'll be Phil, Phil's team, Sedgley, playing, Hudders, playing Huddersfield. Sedgley Park are having a great start yeah, to the season. Top of the top of the table, Sedgley. Currently top of the league, yeah. Only um, a draw against Rotherham. Uh, it's is, nice looking uh, at the team sheet points. there as well because there's a few players I played with. Um, mm. In Sedge? Uh, at Sedge. Is there really? Matthew Gallagher, I played with him at Manchester. He's a stalwart. He must be in his mid-30s now. Don't know. Yeah. Second row, like... Proper him and Flynn, quality players. So I, I, yeah, I, I want to go. Um, if if the game gets rearranged, and it could well do because things happen in winter, and also got a load of free weekends. I want to go and watch Huddersfield versus Sedgley Park on the 18th of December, the Saturday before Christmas. Yeah, well, the, di- the then it's town difficulty. Uh, I'll, I'll meet you in town. But, oh, but Sale are playing Claremont. Claremont. Oh, oh, that's quite nice. a big game. That's quite a big game. What, what time's kickoff? Three fifteen. Ah, oh. well, can we? We've got enough juice with Sedgley and, and Huddersfield. Can we move that to, to 5.15? 5.15 or, or and, move and, it to a midday kickoff. Yeah, and the lights. Yeah. Sedgley, yeah, yeah we want to do that midday, don't we? So yeah, we can get we... over to the AJ Bell and then go into town. So exactly. Sedgley, Sedgley Huddersfield at Sedge. Yes. Or Tasty. we have to wait till the 12th of, of uh, April. 18th of April. 18th of April is. And it's Sedgley at Huddersfield where we can get a train up, have a few beers. Real ale trail. Get another train to Leeds, uh, holiday in, rooftop bar, holiday in, back on a train, back to Manchester for Sunday, podcast. Perfect. What? What of it? Well, <laughs> on, the, on the 18th of December, if you're not going to the AJ Bell, I'll meet you in town. There we go. Perfect. 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 So, yeah, there we go. Lovely end. Shall we do uh, our predictions? Yeah, yeah, what's going on next week, Phil? Which is meaningless, because we don't know 
what well, the team's off. Yeah. <laughs> Although I got I got fi- I got five and a half out of six. Mm. You don't get a half a draw. Five out of six. You get five. Paddy Jackson no, cost me four. You get four out of six. six. Same as me. I got Sale wrong. I got London Irish wrong. I should have called. The I didn't draw. get Sale wrong. I called Sale winning. Yeah, you no, no, f- I no, I did. Yeah, but you got five out of six. Oh yeah. Not five what, and a half. What, what, why has he got five? Because I've got all oh, of the Oh, right, others, sorry, right. I thought it was four and a half. Five, <laughs> five, five, five. Yeah. Okay, games this weekend. Oh, uh, no, on no, my... Five and a half, because London Irish, who I backed, didn't lose. Sorry, on my own official one, I think I did better, because I, I picked Sale on the Sunday, but I picked Harlequins when I saw the teams. Well, you, you got everything right then. Exactly. So whatever I pick now, I'm going to do the opposite on my bets. <laughs> okay, Friday night, we've got Northampton Saints hosting Worcester. Saints. Home win. Yep. We then have uh, we have all three o'clocks on Saturday. We have Exeter Chiefs versus London Irish. Exeter. Home win. Gloucester uh, against yep. Newcastle. That'd be interesting. Where? Uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. King's home. Uh, yeah, give me Gloucester. Gloucester are much better than I thought. Hmm. Falcons. Falcons. Hastings inspired. And Ben Morgan. Yeah, looking good well, again. They're just quite. They... Oh no, I'm going to go Gloucester as well. This well Gloucester, coached. Gloucester. At yeah, home. Harlequins against Bath. <laughs> Doesn't get much easier for Bath, does it? No, against their old head coach. Yeah, yeah. Dubai. Um Do you know what? I think there's going to be a reaction from Bath. I just got a feeling, even even though they let everyone everyone down today, even though there must be tension, and you know, I I can't help but think they're going to come out firing. They've got to do something because they, they are they're proud rugby players. They're good rugby players. Yeah, they can't just roll over and take it again like that. that if they put out the team they put out today against Harlequins, I'd have to really think about it. Really think about it. Quins are winning that. Yeah, probably. And the final game on Saturday would, will be interesting. It's Tigers against Sale. Wow! Oh, that's tasty. That I think that's the w- best. Will AJ be back for that one? Yeah, yeah, should he be. must be. They need him. I tell you what, though, that is two guys in their two head coaches that know exactly what they're doing, and they also know exactly what the other one's bringing. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, be absolutely awesome. Now, I don't know if you're going to appreciate it. If you're not a rugby aficionado, it might not be for you. I think Leicester will win. God, I keep I've picked against Sale every week, but I just think like they the way they weren't. Nadolo into the game is re- really impressive. If George Ford's that good, I think Leicester will win. He'll, mm. I think he'll he'll, he'll be, be the, the point. Ex- of he'll be the point of difference. He'll be the X factor. Well, what happens with the South Africans? That everyone's South Africans, because if they lose Van Staten and Va- uh, Visa, Visa and Sale don't lose the Dupree's, you know mm. that's a, that's a big deal. That is a genuinely big deal. So there's no game for South Africa next week, and it's not it's not an international window yet until November ah yes I'm a week early so it's next so Leicester were thinking of not playing their guys so they had, so they rested but that means they only have them for one week which would be next week so they'll yeah. have them for next week as well so they'll play them they've got to get the pound of flesh Tigers you Tigers at home yeah I know it's mad um, uh, just, just before we finish is that uh, one more oh, yeah, one more on. game on the Sunday we have Saracens versus Wasps which will be Saracens, Saracens. at home Saracens at home. Uh, we have had an email from Dale, um, who's got. He says, uh, "Listen to the, the literally in this bit of commentary from the weekend, from uh, from last weekend, I should say." 
Ali, you can. Well, just looking, he said credit to Nick, Nick Mullins. Yeah, yeah, he got he got the names of the BT commentators wrong, but it was Ali. Yeah, I, I was trying. That. That, that's not as egregious as many of the literally. It's not. Yeah, you could make that up. Yeah, I you think definitely could. Well. could. I'm done with that. But you definitely uh, could. Welcome to Mark Housen, by, by the way. Welcome, Mark. Who? New new patron. Oh, just signed up now. good lad. Welcome. Thank Hi, you very Mark. much. Um. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did as well after the uh, the the quotes from Jamie Redknapp saying Michael Owen was literally a greyhound, <laughs> I did uh, I did look up Jamie Redknapp quotes and he said um, he said a lot of silly things. <laughs> um, literally a greyhound is uh, yeah. worrying. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hit subscribe. Patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. Um, yeah, we do. There's loads, and apologies if we didn't get to yours. Um, there will be other opportunities. And he's at JBeardmore on Twitter. We're at Rugby Podcast. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Sweet. Oh, I've just seen this. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.